0: Do you own a rent your home? Sure, you do, and I bet it can be hard work. But you know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners' or renters' insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Hey, man, you want an extra 60 grand? We hook Christopher up in Big Stone Gap, Virginia. He left us a five-star review for SaveWithConrad.com and had this to say, I listened to every podcast Conrad and his team put out. I've heard the ad numerous times and decided to give it a try. What is there to lose? I did lose something nearly 60 K. I saved nearly $60,000 over the course of my loan. It was simple and a great experience. Thanks Conrad and a surprise staff member. Hmm. Who is that mystery man? $60,000. $60,000. We made this fast and easy for Christopher. And it's easy to get a quick quote and see how much you can save for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? We routinely help our podcast listeners save $60,000, $80,000. Let's start saving money right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender, Conrad.com Get ready to get into the fire NWA power, the studio wrestling show that exploded onto our screens is back for a fourth season. Now it's exclusively on fight TV. And if you listen to this show, the chances are, you may feel like a lot of pro wrestling that's available today, maybe a little too sports entertainment, and you may crave some good old fashioned wrestling. We may find that NWA power hits those notes, no scripts, no skits. Old-schooled interviews at the famous NWA podium with some of the best talkers in the game today and hard-hitting action from seasoned professionals. But perhaps best of all, it's one hour. You ain't got to carve out hours and hours to keep up with the action. See the NWA World's champion Nick Aldis, Thunder Rosa, the television champ, the Pope, Elijah Burke, that salty redneck Trevor Murdoch, Tom Latimer, Camille, Molina, Tim Storm, as well as all the new faces this season, like the legendary Austin Idol, Chris Adonis, Kratos, and Terrence Terrell, plus so many more from the GPB Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, just about a block away from the site of the old Georgia Championship Wrestling back in the day. The NWA package on Fight TV is just $4.99 a month. That works out to just over a dollar an episode. Plus, when you subscribe to the NWA on Fight, you also get access to all the previous seasons of NWA Power, as well as into the fire and hard times pay per view events. Don't complain that there's no wrestling like there used to be. There is. It's NWA Power that's available right now. Go to fight.tv and subscribe to the NWA and feel the power. Come oh, on, man, this is fun stuff. Fight.tv, check it out. NWA Power is back for a fourth season. Mother's Day is almost here, and Steven Singer's got your back with his brand new rose color, Sunshine Yellow. This new Sunshine Rose is a brilliant shade of yellow that dazzles with sparkles. His famous gold roses are real roses dipped and trimmed in 24-karat gold that last a lifetime. Steven has always been in the love business, and this past year, we've seen just how important love is. In addition to brightening your loved one's day, Steven wants to put a little sunshine in everyone's days. So he's continuing to use a portion of each rose sold to support local restaurants by catering meals for all the incredible nurses, doctors, first responders, and hospital heroes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and send a sunshine gold dipped rose. Order now and receive it in time for Mother's Day. It's a win, win, win. You'll give sunshine that lasts a lifetime to a loved one. You'll be supporting local restaurants by thanking our essential workers, and you'll feel good about doing it. You can't go wrong. They all come with a lifetime guarantee, free personalized gift message, and fast and free shipping. Simply say I love you or honor mom on Mother's Day. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you?
1: Oh, my ass is dragging today, Conrad. Usually when we do these things early in the morning, I get up and I'm pounding coffee and watch the sun come up, play with my dog. I'm all excited. And I am excited. Don't get me wrong, but I think I came down with cold last week, so I'm just kind of limping along and I'm going to do the very best I can do because this audience, the 83 week audience on all four corners of the globe deserves nothing but the best. Uh,
0: help me understand, Eric. Do you think perhaps you have a cold because you had three count them three different trips to Tampa in three weeks? What are you doing?
1: Um, and, uh, enjoying life, you know? there's going to come a time when nobody's going to call me to ask me to do anything. So every time somebody calls me, ask me to do something, I go, fuck, I better do it. You know, I might not get another chance. No, i mean, I've been having fun, but yeah, I thought about it. You know, when I, on my trip home just at the end of this week, uh, beginning of last week, I should say, whatever it was, I was in the plane flying home and I went, I, I did the math in my head. I was thinking, you know what? I've spent more time on the ground in Tampa over the last three weeks than I have in Cody where I live. And just to bounce of back and forth and airplane air and whatever. I'll get through it. I ain't whining.
0: Well, we're not whining either. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we're also not whining about uh, the great news that came down over the weekend. I don't know if you saw the internet, but it was a buzz. Our round table from Jacksonville has finally made air. So people <laughs> can see Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone and yourself and really Jim Ross and his element. I think it's one of the. Funnier things we've ever done, uh, and certainly lets fans at home really get a look at. Here's what Jr. is like in real life, and he's a blast, is he not?
1: He was so much fun, man. I was so grateful for the opportunity to to do that. And that was uh, almost a month ago now. When you and I and Tony and Jim and Dave Silva and Mike Dawkins, we were all together <coughs> because you and I were involved with AEW uh, on a on a live show. So it was the whole thing was so much fun, but sitting down across the table for an extended period of time in a relaxed environment with Tony and Jim was about as much fun as I've had in decades. I mean, I I don't, I haven't laughed that hard. I don't even know if I've ever laughed that hard, maybe in my life. It was just so, and you're right, man. You know, Jim is, Jim is a, Jim's unique like all of us, we all have our quirks. Jim's quirks are right out there. You can, they're right in your face. Most of the time, he's got a funny personality. He's got a sarcastic sense of humor. He's witty as hell, but if you don't really get a chance to sit down in a relaxed environment, you don't see that you get little glimpses of it here and there, you know, but be able to sit down with him and Tony, and it's a wonder we got through it. I'm afraid to look at it because I know (laughs) how much fun I was having and I'm thinking, Oh my God, if I had that much fun, it's not going to be something I'm proud of, but I'm, I'm, I'll definitely take a look at it and relive it this weekend.
0: Well, let's talk about, uh, ad free shows a little longer. We're announcing yet another podcast to the stable. I don't even think you and I have talked about this, Eric. Are you ready for this? We're getting all the archives prepared and new episodes will start dropping every week for ringside with Dave Pinzer, your old WCW pal. He's joining the family over at adfreeshows.com. How cool is that?
1: That's very cool. You know, pinzer has been a fly on the wall for an and active. When I say fly on the wall, I don't mean that derisively word of the day, derisively kind of like as a shot. I don't mean it as a shot. Um, but you know, when you're, A guy like Dave Pinzer, who's been around for a long time, didn't really pose a threat to anybody politically. uh, You're kind of welcome in every circle, you know, in the business. Everybody's comfortable around you. And as a result, you hear a lot of shit. So I'm anxious to hear from Mr. Pinzer. I hope he's if you're listening, (laughs) Dave, Mr. Pinzer. Yes. Be careful what you say. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what was interesting about Penzer is he does an interview format so check it out anywhere you've enjoyed podcasts you can still see some of the archives but uh, slowly but surely they're going to start arriving over at adfreeshows.com but scott demore john arezzi they just had the anniversary of course of the last nitro so you had lance storm scott hudson and chavo guerrero there to discuss that with him kevin sullivan is a regular tony shivani has been <sighs> on the show uh, Mike Weber, who we've talked about a lot here, the former uh, Zach Ryder, Don Callis, the Young Bucks, Fit Finlay, Disco Inferno. By the way, these are all shows in a row. I'm not just running through the highlights, but from Jericho to Tracy Smothers and everywhere in between. He's had a lot of great shows over the years, and it's sort of flown below the radar for a lot of our listeners. Well, we're well, we're going to make sure that's front and center over at AdFreeShows.com. Lots of interactive stuff coming as well. And by the way. He's not just someone who, who was the ring announcer for WCW, but he's still doing it for impact all these years later. And how about what a small world it is. You know, you and I know a thing or two about the mortgage biz from me plugging it every week here, save with com. Uh, Mr. Pinzer is actually a realtor in Florida. In fact, he sold Jericho his house. What a small world it is. So awesome. Hey, can I plug one more thing while we're plugging away? Sure. Sure.
1: How about this radio show you and I are going to do this week?
0: I am so excited about that. I'm, I'm kind I was kind of wondering if you wanted to announce it this week or not, but
1: yeah, well, you- I think we, I think we should tease it. I think our audience who has supported us and our sponsors for so long and so well is in our audience has made us one of the leading podcasts in the podcast genre, and I'm grateful for that. But because we have so much fun doing this, you know, I had this idea and I called Called you Conrad and you were cool with it and we're going to do kind of a live call in at my local radio station here KODI part of the Bighorn Radio Network and we're going to allow our ad free shows fans we'll put this out on probably Monday afternoon they'll have a super kayfabe Fabe secret number that fans from anywhere in the country can call in toll free and be on live radio with you. And I, we're going to do it for a couple of weeks and see how much fun we have. And if it's as much fun as I think it is, who knows, man, maybe we'll be, you know, syndicated all over the country. Who knows?
0: Yeah. But listen, a lot of people start radio and then venture into podcast. You and I, as with everything else, we're marching to the beat of our own drummer, starting with a podcast and now we're easing into terrestrial radio. I don't think a lot of people would have called that, but yeah, here we come. Cody, Wyoming, uh, (laughs) you're test market. Number one.
1: I like it. It'll be a lot of fun. Hey, Conrad. I'm going to take just a second to talk to our audience about Nutrisystem. Have you noticed the connection between the number of coupons you get from your favorite food delivery app and your weight beginning to creep up on you? I know it's happened to me, man. Or maybe you just start slowing down early in the afternoon and Start hitting sugar and snacks, hoping to get one more sugar rush to get you through the rest of the day. Well, if that sounds like you, pump the brakes. Because Nutrisystem is here to get you back on track. Nutrisystem is simple and convenient with delicious meals delivered right to my door with little or no meal prep wired. That is kind of awesome when you're busy. And with Nutrisystem, you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months. The plan is clinically proven to put your body into a fat-burning mode and helps you achieve safe and healthy weight loss. They have a top-rated app called Numi. I love that. Numi. That makes sense. For extra motivation to help keep you on track. Unlimited one-on-one coaching and so much more. Order Nutrisystem now. Go to Nutrisystem.com forward slash 83 weeks to get 50% off. One more time. That's Nutrisystem. One word, Nutrisystem.com forward slash 83 to get 50% off.
0: Hey, let's uh, let's talk about some, some controversy and some sad news before we jump into our topic today. Well, we've been filibustering for several minutes. but uh, By the way, everything that Eric and I do eventually will arrive over at AdFreeShows.com, just so you know. Uh, but lockdown 2011 is why we're here. And originally it was on the calendar for last week, uh, or maybe the week before either way we had to call an audible, uh, because that was sort of hall of fame week. Uh, so we're going to get to it here momentarily and you're going to hear all things TNA, but before we get there, I felt it was really important right at the top of the show to talk about some shocking news that you and I both got this past Friday regarding our old pal, Steve Mongo McMichael, uh, man, this, this hit me like a ton of bricks because. We just had Mongo at StarCast a few years ago, and he was the life of the party, as always. He was one of my first guests on my podcast with Ric Flair, and he taught me so many one-liners that I still use to this day, including the phrase, on scholarship. I, I, I just uh, I can't imagine that this larger-than-life figure is now in the fight of his life. And uh, I don't know, dude. It caught me by surprise, and... He's one of those guys. I just never imagined something like this could happen to. And it is a reminder that boy, life is fragile and we need to appreciate it. And he's still a fighter and trying to pull the nose up right now. And and right now he's actually raising money over at gofundme.com. Just go over there and check out, um, Steve Mongo McMichael, but man, what a story.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you'd like to donate, I think if you Google team Mongo, I don't have the uh, GoFundMe uh, information sitting in front of me right now, but you know, if you just Google team Mongo yep, and you'll find it, Chris Jericho put it up on Chris's website and was kind enough to let me know that. So I could help promote it. Mongo is, he is one of the funniest people I've ever been around. He, he is quick witted. He's just got something. He's a, He's, you know, you, you hear the phrase larger-than-life character a lot, yeah. you know, in all walks of life. Steve McMichael really is larger-than-life in so many ways. And you look at everything that he did as an athlete throughout his life, really. <clears throat> Super Bowl champion with the Chicago Bears, and a notorious one at that. He, when, when Steve was at the top of his game, he was fearsome, fearsome in the NFL, but also so much fun, and I've got so many fun Mongo stories. You know, my wife and I were sharing them yesterday, and he's just a great dude. Kevin Nash called me, and we're going to try to find Steve, get a hold of Steve, and uh, and and pay him a visit. Uh, and, I don't know if you read the story that was in the Chicago Tribune Friday, uh, last Friday, where you know. It, it was basically announced because he wanted everybody to know why he hasn't been around and that he's not going to be making personal appearances any longer and he just wanted to let know people know why but if you read that article he's still his sense of humor is just insane given what he's going through but he's still got it man he still likes to make people laugh he's an amazing dude
0: yeah it's teammongo76.com where you can pick up a bracelet to support him you can also get a link right there for the shirt. Uh, but if you go to GoFundMe.com and just look up Team Mongo, uh, you'll see it. their Their goal is to raise a hundred thousand. As you and I are speaking, they're not too far away. I'm sure they're going to exceed it. Hey, and I don't know that. I mean, me and you are really talking about this for the first time. You and I. Sorry, uh, Rick Flair's going to visit him too. So maybe you can coordinate and we we can get a little WCW union there to uh, to visit Steve. Because my God, what a character! Not just on the gridiron, but in the squared circle and. I mean, I guess, you know, I I think technically he did something with the WWF first, but you put him out at the forefront for wrestling fandom when you put him behind the nitro desk. And I don't know, man, that was, that was our peak fandom for a lot of people who are watching this. I mean, the name of our show was 83 weeks and some of that fun started while Mongo was a big part of it.
1: Yeah. You know what? So I was thinking about this yesterday too, when I was thinking about Steve and, you know, making Steve, uh, putting Steve on color commentary, you know, when we launched Nitro was within the wrestling community, you know, the the the, the loudest 10% of the 100% of the audience were really anti Steve McMichael because he didn't come from that wrestling kind of background that everybody thinks you need to, that process you need to go through. You know, he, he, he wasn't a student of professional wrestling. He was a fan of professional wrestling. And sometimes having a fan of professional wrestling who has a, you know, obviously a a Super Bowl level, you know, amount of credibility as an athlete and is known nationwide, but just is fun to have sitting next to you. And, and, and every once in a while, you know, come up with the off off the wall stuff that Steve did was a blast for me. And I, and I'm not just saying this because of, you know, the situation Steve is in right now and we're, tipping our hat to him in, in this moment, but I think Steve and the the entertainment value and the credibility and the name recognition had a lot to do with the early success of Nitro and our relationship with advertisers, which, you know, you and I talk about this all the time about sometimes you have to make moves that satisfy the wrestling audience most of the time, but sometimes you've got to keep an eye over here on your advertise, particularly if you're trying to nurture them and build them and build the relationships. And Steve helped us do that. You know, because the, while a lot of advertising agencies and people that control ad, ad dollars and budgets, you know, maybe they didn't know anything about wrestling, but they knew something about Steve McMichael and he had a reputation. And just to be able to have Steve to have had Steve as part of our package, so to speak, when we were out selling sponsors or, or advertisers did have a significant impact on WCW Nitro in the, in the early stages of it. So I don't think he gets enough credit, you know.
0: Well, somebody else who maybe didn't get enough credit was a great friend of the show, Mrs. Mickey James, of course, uh, the cha- the wife of the NWA world champion, Mr. Nick Aldis. And she was recently released by WWE, but boy, did she captivate the internet last week, uh, with this whole trash bag controversy. And, uh, in the, in the fallout, it looks like a lot of changes were made in talent relations. I think that talent relations has already been shaken up a few months back when Johnny Ace came back, but. Ultimately, Mark Carano, longtime WWE figurehead, who was uh, I guess with the company since the late 90s, maybe 98, no longer there. Were you surprised to see that Carano got his walking papers?
1: Yes, yes. You know, it's easy to you know start thinking that well, maybe I had an inkling, you know, after the fact, of course, you know, 2020 hindsight. I think it's safe to say though. You know, people don't understand, and I'm not defending or anything else, anybody in the talent relations position previously or now or in the future. That job sucks. Yeah, big time. You are, you are going to be in a crossfire 24 hours a day. And on a good day, if you're surrounded by 100 people, you're probably going to piss off 50% of them. And you'll make the other 50% happy, but it's a tough, tough gig. So I, I don't envy it. I think Jim Ross, obviously Jim could speak volumes and probably has and will in the future in reference his time in, in talent relations. But you know, you're stuck between Vince McMahon and budgets and all of the departments and all of the people that want access to talent. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then you got to keep the talent happy too. And it's, I don't envy anybody that's ever been in that job or ever will be.
0: It's going to be interesting to see, uh, how this story evolves. I somehow don't think that it's all done. It feels like there's been a lot of moving parts here, but. One thing that's not moving is uh, 83 weeks. We're here to stay every single Monday right here on Westwood one. And of course you get all these shows early and ad free over at ad shows.com. But without further ado, I do think that, uh, if we have an opportunity, we should talk about, um, the Mongo thing as much as we can over the next week or so let's, let's help them get past that goal in a big way. Uh, he's in a, a serious fight right now, needs all the help we can get It's gofundme.com team Mongo is where you can find it there. Or of course, teammongo76.com. Pick up a bracelet, pick up a t-shirt, whatever. Let's jump into the show, man. Uh, Lockdown 2011 happened April 17th from the U S bank arena in Cincinnati, Ohio. There's about 4,000 folks there. 3,500 or so were paid. This is the seventh lockdown event in TNA history, uh, which is an interesting twist. I guess all the matches are held inside of a steel cage which is a tradition of lockdown events. I know that we have some negative feelings about that, but I got to tell you, I watched this show for the first time ever. I must admit I was not watching TNA in 2011. At least I don't remember ever seeing this show, Uh, but I watched it this week and I, I was overcome with, damn, what could have been because it was out of the impact zone. So it looked different. And I know you were a big proponent of that. I thought it looked fantastic. There was a great set. There was a bunch of excited fans to see it. And there's such a roster here. It just, it just sort of jumps up and slaps you in the face. Why didn't this work? When you watch this back this week, were you impressed with the look and feel overall? I mean, you've got Taz and Tanae on commentary that, that tremendous TNA voiceover artist that his name escapes me. I know he just passed away last year and I feel like a turd not remembering his name, but. It was well done. Sahadi so was on his game with these music, with these, you know, video packages and even the led screens. It's like, this feels big time. Why is this still not what it could have been? I think that's a story, at least for me,
1: that's a whole story about TNA. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I kind of bristle <clears throat> when it comes up in interviews or when we <coughs> excuse me, do a show like this, um, because it's every time I think about it or see an event like this, it's, oh my God, what a wasted opportunity. And it, it to me, having been there and run into the roadblocks that I ran into during this period of time, if there would have been somebody who actually could make financial decisions in, in support of the company with a vision, not just with a checkbook, but with a vision. And and an exit strategy—that's fine too. If that's your vision, have an exit strategy and work towards it. But just to be in the business and try things one week, or we'll try it for two weeks. And if it doesn't work and we don't get a big return on our investment, then we'll go try something else. It was just so frustrating. You're right, man. The look at—I did because I forgot. You know, 2011 it was a while ago. Yeah. And. I was expecting when I reviewed the show to be back inside the impact zone, which is hard for me to watch and a boom it opens up and Holy crap, it did look great. And there was so much potential. And I believe in my heart of hearts that had TNA embrace the live event side of the business, at least for their big pay-per-views, maybe not television. I get you can't afford to do television every, although they could have, uh, had they had the vision and the confidence in themselves to do it, but and if you can, if you put your big pay per views in in venues in arenas with a real crowd, not a TV studio crowd, it would it would have changed. the The outcome would have been much different for TNA, and it is frustrating for me to think about that.
0: We're going to talk a lot about that, I'm sure, as we run through some of the talent today, but. You know, one of the things that's fun to go back on this show and and revisit is stuff that I know will fire you up (laughs) an entire card of cage matches. This to me feels like, you know, I hate sometimes when I jump online and I see people on social media say, Oh, this is lazy booking, but boy, this is maybe it's not lazy booking, but unimaginative, like I understand as a one-off a one-time thing, you might think, man, this is a great idea. What if there was a whole, instead of one cage match, it's a whole Carter cage. Match. I could see how you would try that once, but the idea that they did it over and over and over and over, I should, it's, it's not the way we were sort of brought up to watch wrestling and I don't think it lends itself to an exciting night if it's just more of the same over and over and over. But they didn't just try it once; they did it year after year. And I'm ready to hear your thoughts. You're number one. You're absolutely
1: right. It is the epitome. If you Google the internet and look <laughs> up, look up, lazy booking, you know, this match will, or this this pay per view will come up. It it it. it it's not only incredibly, it's not even lazy. It's non-existent booking. All you're doing is writing names down on paper, giving it to the talent and saying, okay, go come up with a match and we're going to put it on pay-per-view. That's what this pay-per-view was. Now there were, there were a couple exceptions, you know, the Karen Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle storyline. I really, really love that. And I will talk more about it. You know, there was good story there and actually a reason God forbid we step into the common sense zone and wake up one day and say, you know, if we're going to put all these matches in a cage and every one of them, every match of the pay-per-view is in a cage. Let's plan ahead for at least three months. Let's decide who we're going to match up in this pay-per-view and let's Escalate each of those feuds to the point where there's no alternative but to put these matches in a cage because of everything that had happened heretofore. That's not a word of the day, but it's a fucking cool word heretofore. I like it. But no, they didn't do that. All right. They just threw this shit up against the wall and said, Oh, it's in a cage and it's a it's a TNA tradition. My God, we, I tried to talk them out of doing this every year to the point where I was almost escorted out of the TNA offices. Dixie would, so get, he, Dixie would get so mad at me. So would everybody else, not everybody, but most everybody else. Being like, well, we can't do that. My God, that's a TNA. Well, I just went into a Vince McMahon. Yes, you did. Sorry, Vince. I'm really sorry. I can't do an impersonation of anybody other, uh, other than Vince and maybe Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan if I got a, a little bit of liquor in me. But everybody else on the TNA, almost everybody else on the TNA side of the equation, particularly people in the office, because, well, they knew least of all what was good for wrestling. But they were in the office. And they had a voice, Dean, um, Andy. They all had voices, and everybody. Oh my God, that's a TNA tradition. Lockdown. People, our fans look forward to that. Our our homegrown. Oh God, our homegrown audience, and all of these people who love TNA because of what it represents. By the way, what does TNA represent? I'm anxious to hear Jeff Jarrett talk about where, what was the, where did the ideation? Okay. Well you getting two fucking words today. Ideation. That means where did the idea come from? Who came up with it? TNA and tell the truth about this. Now, was this a Vince Russo kind of prepubescent circle jerk idea where, Oh, we'll call it TNA. When we'll have like half naked chicks in cages, like in a strip club that I saw in a movie I watched. Is that where it really came from? Was well, it the double entendre of a 14-year-old that inspired TNA? And then later on you had to go, okay, well, we can't really refer to it as tits and ass, because you know we're on TV and all, but oh, we'll say it. No, it doesn't mean tits and ass. It means total, what does it mean? Total non, total non-stop action. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to mean. And they stuck with it. And here's what's worse. I don't know if this is true. I <laughs> pray to the wrestling gods that this isn't true. But I hear it's just a rumor. Uh-oh. It's just a fucking rumor that somebody wants to bring back the TNA Brand.
0: Oh, no, that's real. They tried to do it last oh. year during WrestleMania, then COVID shut it down, of course. But they were going to have, you know, a TNA sort of relaunch, you know, a, a TNA show, if you will. Well, what's year.
1: next? Are they going to do a whole pay per view with a bunch of cage matches that mean fucking nothing? Hey, that's a good idea, too. What a carnival of Clowns. Oh, well. I'm sorry. I'm sure I'm pissing somebody off. You can't really open your mouth anymore without pissing somebody off. So
0: we're not too worried about that.
1: Here's my disclaimer. I'm sorry to everybody. Everybody that gets hot at me today or in the future. I'm fucking sorry. Now let's move on and cover the show.
0: All right. Give you the heads up. If you haven't already, it's time to think about mother's day. And that can be a daunting task when you get married, because then you got to think, am I supposed to get my mom and my wife and my mother-in-law something? What am I going to do for that? Well, here's the thing. If you haven't been able to visit with some of that extended family, like your grandparents or your in-laws, you can't recommend the skylight frame enough. It's a touchscreen photo frame where you can email photos to and they appear in seconds so your mom or your mother-in-law can see your favorite moments. I set up a skylight for my mother-in-law last year and receiving the first photo was a wow moment on her part. That thing is still paying dividends all this time later. Now the whole family is sending photos to her frame. You see, here's the thing. The family doesn't have to be together to still feel like they're together. Thanks to our friends over at skylight. This is the perfect way to feel close to those. Even when you have to be far away, anyone in the family can send photos to the frame. So it's a great way to keep all the family members in touch by the way, it sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds and even the least tech savvy can use it. Don't worry about that. This is no problem. It looks just like a real photo frame. So it adds a touch of beauty to your house. And the Skylight frame is a really gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen. So you can swipe through your photos with your finger. Hey, you can even tap the screen to thank the person who sent the photo. And how about this? This is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love your Skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. How about this for a pro tip? Preload it with your favorite photos for a really special Mother's Day gift. So you're surprising them with photos they didn't even know you had. I can't tell you how this has really brought together our family i think we've mentioned this before but my mother in law recently relocated from uh, colorado now she's in north carolina of course we're in alabama but this is so easy to keep everybody together it's a home run man it's simple yet our non-tech savvy parents can set it up and use it by the way if you have a skylight you love it check out all these facebook reviews here's one This gives her a little glimpse of us every day. And then when we talk on the phone, she can talk to the boys about the pictures we sent. Bam! That's what you're looking for. And right now is a special holiday offer. You can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the promo code 83weeks. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter the code 83weeks. That's S K Y L I G H T F R A M E dot com. And the promo code is 83 weeks. And we thank SkylightFrame dot com for sponsoring today's podcast and Mother's Day. Come on. What makes me happy, by the way, is when you get all hot and bothered about the name TNA. But just for the record, you technically were involved in the Girls Gone Wild pay per view, right? So it's WWE. Okay, I'm just saying, you're not you're not necessarily shooting on the idea from uh, on no, your, your, your high look, horse.
1: Girls not- Gone Wild was what Girls Gone Wild was. Okay. It was drunk college chicks getting freaking naked on home video that a guy by the name of Joe Francis made a freaking fortune out of. Now, he got himself in a little bit of trouble with one Mr. Steve Wynn in Las Vegas, and that got really, really ugly. And I think Joe's living in a mansion somewhere down in Mexico because he can't get into the United States anymore. But in the meantime, young Mr. Joe Francis kind of created an entire universe of home video distribution and direct distribution of home videos on a subscription basis long before people were doing it on the internet and made a freaking fortune. He was at one point, he was going to buy Playboy. He was attempting to buy, buy Playboy. And as we've talked about in the show, I brought WWE and Joe together and came up with the idea of, Hey, this is going on anyway, down in wherever we were going to be Panama city or somewhere in Texas. Why don't we not uh, produce it for pay-per-view and, Francis gets a piece and WWE gets a piece, and I probably shouldn't say he gets a piece, but that's a slip of the tongue. I probably shouldn't say Let, so. Let's,
0: let's, let's just I'm talk so about that. Let's move on. Show. So, during the weekend here, TNA holds the TNA Lockdown VIP weekend, and the event consists of interaction with wrestlers and staff, and then appearances from uh, big stars Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Sting, Mick Foley. And as part of the package, fans get the opportunity to board a riverboat cruise and receive VIP entrance to lockdown. I mean, listen, on the one hand, this sounds like, Hey, we're trying to, uh, to take the, the whole access concept and and do our own spin on it and give you more bang for your buck. On the other hand, it feels like, boy, is this a holdover from that terrible wrestle vessel and bruise cruise experiment from the nineties. And the other part of me just thinks, boy, this probably really sucked. What do you remember about this VIP weekend concept? Was it a moneymaker? Was it worth doing? Did the fans enjoy um, it? Did it the boys hate it?
1: You know, Mike Weber would, would know if it was a moneymaker or not. I, I have no idea. I wasn't involved with it in any way, shape or form. I wouldn't go. I didn't want to go. Um, uh, I, it's just another one of the, you know, it's look. it's not a bad idea. It's all in the execution Sure. You know, it, it, where do you get to meet, you know, where do you get to interact? What are you doing while you're interacting? What do you get to walk away, you know, from from the event with in terms of, you know, an ability to have a conversation, get some pictures, maybe some merchandise. The, the general concept is a great concept, but like everything else, it's all in the execution. And that was generally the issue that I had with almost everything TNA did um, was the execution. It was a great idea. And now let's whittle it down and whittle it down and whittle it down. To the point where, well, it's still basically the same idea, but it doesn't cost us any money and, and we can make $7 ahead on our merchandise in again, short-term thinking, lack of vision and, and lack of proper funding.
0: Let's talk about some news and notes as we head into lockdown around this time, WrestleMania happens, of course, and Ric Flair, who is technically under contract to TNA is there. At the mm-hmm. WWE hall of fame. He's not shown on camera, but he's there to support his old pal, Shawn Michaels, as he goes into the hall of fame. Was this a hot button issue behind the scenes <sighs> that Rick wanted to attend the hall of fame or Hey, it's for Sean. Who gives a shit?
1: Um, I, there was discussion and. I think Rick and Dixie because I I wasn't in the middle of it it, again, not my area. (laughs) Do you notice how I try to distance myself as much as I can from some of this stuff? Yes, it's true. I'm not bullshitting. I just wasn't involved in in any kind of talent management issues uh, for the most part, but certainly with, with regard to Rick, I think Rick was just honest about it. And I, if I remember, because it wasn't a big deal, it wasn't like something that I should remember. It was almost like a, maybe one or two passing conversations and in Dixie was fine with it. There may have been people in the office um, that were upset or, or perhaps Dixie's parents were upset. I don't know, maybe not, but it wasn't a big issue.
0: Let's uh, let's also talk about, uh, well, something from the observer, how does TNA not have any clips or a package of Hogan on American idol on its show this past week, or at least get a film crew there to get clips of James Durbin putting over TNA after Hogan did his appearance. I mean, how does that happen? This is worth a sidebar. American idol was one of the biggest, hottest shows in American television for a long time, huge audience, a multiple of what TNA had an opportunity to grab. And Hogan's on the show, and there's not a clip, and it's not really mentioned. What the hell? I, I'm, I'm going to take
1: a stab at it. Um, what network was American Idol on? ABC? Fox. Fox. Okay. So you've got Fox Network, a Fox owned show. And the question on the table is from Dave is why wouldn't, you know, TNA get clips from that to air on their show or on their pay-per-view? I don't know. Why is it that, you know, the head engineer at general motors doesn't work part-time at Ford.
0: Come on. Well, no hang on Now that's not what he's asking. He's saying, why didn't TNA have a film crew there? I understand. You're not going to that's for the
1: same reason. For the same reason. Well, then why did
0: you let Hogan go
1: there? If we're not, I didn't let Hogan. I didn't let Hogan go anywhere. By the way, and Hogan wasn't under an exclusive contract with regard to non-wrestling related activities. I got you. So even if someone would have been dumb enough to say, "Oh no, he's our Hulk Hogan," we can't let him go on American Idol. Which, by the way, wouldn't have surprised me if it would have been possible, but it wasn't possible. So it wasn't like TNA had a voice; they didn't get to vote. They didn't have to give approval. And the reason you wouldn't have had a camera on the lot in on at the studio on a Fox owned property, if you were producing something that was going to end up on a Viacom network, that should be easy to figure out.
0: Does it feel like a missed opportunity, Eric?
1: Mm, Of course. You know, in a perfect world. It would have been, you know, you would have had some kind of uh, cooperative relationship between Fox and Viacom and, and and through their you know, public relations departments or even some of their senior management been able to facilitate that and do a cross promotion. Sure, it was a missed opportunity, but unless, you know, you know the details and I don't and neither did Dave, but it's an easy, you know, it's an easy ask. You don't have to be a brain surgeon and clearly Dave isn't and wasn't. Oh. Um, it's an, it's an obvious, Hey, why didn't they do that? And if you knew anything about television and, and, and the kind of territorial nature of competitive television networks, you probably sure. would go, Oh, okay. Well, that's probably why, but whatever, you know, it's going to fill the 10,000 words up with something. Oh gosh.
0: By now, you know, this episode is sponsored by blue chew. Say it with us. Blue chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer-lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve a harder, stronger erection to combat all forms of ED. You know, erectile dysfunction. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at a pharmacy. But maybe best of all, it ships right to your door in a discreet package. Now, the process is simple. You'll sign up at BlueChew.com. You'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problems here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare and ship direct so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code 83weeks at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is 83weeks to receive your first month for free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring our podcast. Here's something else in the news. Hogan worked with Bubba the Love Sponge in raising money for Unity, a group that provides money and goods to Plant City, Florida charities. Hogan allowed a local Chevrolet dealer to design a Hulk Hogan limited edition Camaro and they raffled it off raising more than a hundred thousand uh, dollars well, this is not uncommon that Hulk hogan does charity work I know back in the day uh, he was the guy who was out front doing it for the wWE long before Cena was making wishes hogan was too but even in the later years he's still doing that I mean since you and I have been doing the podcast I think he raffled off or auctioned off the old WCW Hulk Hogan Viper that everybody remembers from early WCW stuff. And that was also for charity. This has been a big part. I mean, Hulk Hogan loves combining cars and charities for kids, right?
1: He does. And you know, it's, it's a little harder for Hulk to get around and do some of the things that he used to love doing. And he, he did love doing them. I I've been a part of, a bystander you know been along for the ride so to speak to watch but i've seen him do so many things that people have never heard about yeah you because know, he and look you know hulk is a, a, a at the core of his being he is a promoter most great talents like rick flair and hulk hogan are That's what they've grown up doing. Look how well Rick Rick, I think Rick is more is better known now around the world than he was at the peak of his career. Yes. Easily by a mile in, in, in pop culture, everybody knows who Ric Flair is like Hulk Hogan. Right. And while he does just like Rick promote himself or he used to a lot more than he does now. um, But there's also the flip side where he has done throughout his entire career a lot of things for charity and sometimes not even in an organized fashion, but at a very local level, help out kids and and people in need in this community. So he's, he's done it all his life. It's just that people don't often hear about it unless it's being promoted by him or somebody else.
0: Let's, uh, let's keep it moving here and let's talk about, um, Mick Foley. He's doing some unique fundraising for rain, the rape and abuse and incest national network. He's been working with them for a lot of time here. And for the month of April, he agreed to go anywhere in the country and mow someone's lawn if they'll donate $5,000. So literally he's even the week of the pay-per-view here, mowing a lawn in Baltimore. And he's encouraging donations and said, he'll match every donation. He raises this month up to a $10,000 maximum. Uh, I don't think pro wrestling as a whole, you know, we always sort of. Hear about the bad stuff. I mean, for goodness sake, you and I have both participated in the dark side of the ring series, but as Jim Cornette says, why don't we have a happy side of the ring? Yeah, I Uh, saw that a couple of weeks ago. I loved that little clip, but Mick Foley here, man. This is, this is a big deal. And what a great idea.
1: Mick is another one, you know, Mick does. I mean, we hear about some of the things that Mick does. Mick does a lot of things we don't hear about. And it, and you're right. man. I think wrestling as a whole, because people love to jump all over whatever the controversy du jour happens to be, whether it's regarding talent or people in the office um, or anything, I mean, just love that. Right. You know, the, the touchy-feely stuff, the feel-good stuff, the things that actually matter aren't nearly as interesting in social media, so they don't get the kind of uh, awareness. But Mick is a, another perfect example of a guy. He he lives to give. He really does. I, I don't know if anything brings him much more happiness than, than contributing and giving back and doing good. Mick is a very, very... Impressive and unique individual. And, and, and I'm not talking about his, his legacy in the ring, talking about his legacy as a human being.
0: He continued this uh, fundraising campaign. Even when he went to the UK, uh, the gimmick there was anyone who donates $5,000 means he'll go to their house and spend at least two hours there when he goes to that country. And, um, I don't know, man, I just, I hope he gets a little more recognition for all the good stuff that he's doing what, what, a, what an amazing performer and human being to your point. you know, I think doing these podcasts these last few years, I've had a newfound appreciation and he's become a top five guy for me just based on anywhere you put him in wrestling. He exceeded expectations, whether it was as Cactus Jack or Dude Love or mankind or just as McFoley, certainly in the commissioner role, uh, just on and on and on. But then you see the stuff that he does outside of the ring like this. not just wrestling the world needs more dudes like mick foley
1: they do indeed i'm playing with my cough button here is this is this the little red one with the line through
0: the speaker uh you know what's funny eric we have the same board but mine's in a cabinet because on my end my mute button is the word mute on the software that you're looking at on screen the bottom left,
1: oh, <laughs> I told you I was a high tech redneck. <laughs> Damn, how long have we been doing this? And I just realized I can cough without offending anybody. This is fucking awesome. And you see, you learn something every single day. I love that. Even I on this show learns, and especially I on this show learn something new every time we do it. I love this. Now I can cough. it my heart's content here let me do it just I'm just gonna play with it on three here's on. a test cough here Joodoo. we go
0: no one heard it those if
1: you watching on everyshows.com just watch <laughs> me have a hack attack but nobody could hear it
0: isn't that great
1: I love I love technology I'm so excited
0: the March 22nd impact uh, which um, is gonna air in the UK is a UK record for TNA 184,000 viewers. It was the most watched wrestling show in the UK for a two week period. In fact, three TNA shows during that period beat the highest rated episode of raw. Although as noted, the station TNA is on is available in a lot more homes when it comes to actual ratings, TNA's ratings are minuscule compared to the WWE ratings, but still, uh, they have a, a huge fan base in the UK. And I think you and I have touched on this before. But even when it felt like maybe America, for whatever reason, had given up, for lack of a better phrase, on TNA, and it almost felt like hardcore wrestling fans had just decided, oh, LOL, TNA, whether that was fair or not. That wasn't always the case in the UK. And I think there was a rumor that it was suggested by some, why don't we just become a UK-based promotion? Because whenever we go over here, we sell out, and I've heard other people describe, you know, England as a, a a wrestling crazed country. What say you? Do you think TNA should have spent more time over there? I don't think so. I, I mean,
1: I I wouldn't have known, and I don't know. As I sit here, I can't even venture a guess what the economics of that would look like. Right. Because if you're going to be a UK promotion, does that mean your entire office or half of your office or certain representatives from your office actually move to an office in London or somewhere else in the UK to operate it out of? What about all your talent? Are, are you going to use UK talent or are you going to bring over US talent? And there's a whole, there's a plethora, not the word of the day, but plethora, cool word anyway, of, of challenges when it comes to you know working in the UK on a regular basis if you're not a UK citizen. Now let's just throw in the expense while we're at it. So there's there's a lot of things that I'd have to learn a lot more about to, to be able to have a judgment or an opinion on that. But I think it would have been it's a great idea on paper, certainly something to discuss. I'm guessing the execution would have been piss poor. And then all of that goodwill that TNA did create with their UK fan base Because they weren't there that often. They would come once or twice a year, maybe three times a year. I don't know. Absence makes the heart grow fonder factor really helped out with that. But if they're there every single week and are not executing in a way that makes the audience grow, which was the challenge with TNA, um, then you would have just had the same kind of reaction eventually in the UK that you had in the US where nobody really cared. That's
0: my opinion. But I could be wrong. Well, here we go. Something I know you're excited about. There has been talk about doing a new branding campaign with more pushing of the word impact. It's not necessarily to drop the TNA name, but push the impact brand of the television harder. This would coincide with a new look to the television show. The changing of the name is one of those ideas that has been talked about for months. Dixie Carter has been against it in the past because they've spent so many years marketing the name. And even now most wrestling fans don't know it after almost nine years. So the idea of starting from scratch and building a new name was something in the past she had been against the reality as so many promotions have switched names in the past have shown is that it makes no difference. The fan base sees you the same way. TNA was a gimmick name for tits and ass when they wanted to do shocking stuff on pay-per-view and thinking they could do pay-per-view without television. But at the end of the day, the name is neither a positive or a negative. They are judged by prospective customers on their product and they are exposed to consumers based on their marketing of said product, not a name. So, here's Dave, sort of beating the same drum you are. I can't believe y'all get along here and agree uh that it was just a name to attract some weekly pay-per-view buys. And I guess I get that, you know, uh, context is king. This is around the same era where you're out there pushing HLA hot lesbian action. So it doesn't feel like it's totally out of left field that they would do something like that from a naming standpoint. But now that the game has changed and you're not just a weekly pay-per-view company, you do have television. Maybe it's time to retire the old name here. You see the, uh, the report here that Dixie had been pushing against it saying, Oh, we've got all this money invested in the old name. Do you remember that being a discussion? We've, we've invested too much in the old name.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't know, deep down inside. I'm, I suspect that it wasn't Dixie that was resistant because of all the money that had been spent marketing TNA. I suspect
0: it was her parents.
1: It was mommy and daddy. Yeah. Because Dixie's Dixie was smart is smart. And as a woman, pretty sure she was a little bit embarrassed, you know, Dixie, Dixie has a, had, and still has a fairly high profile in the Nashville area, in the social echelons of the important people in Nashville. She's well known and she's a, she's a sweet person and a nice person. And very active in the community. And yet she's the female owner of TNA kind of weird, I think. And I think it was kind of weird for Dixie. So I think Dixie was parroting the feelings of those funding partners who were making decisions solely based on dollars and cents without thinking through things. Now, the name change didn't come from within or this effort this campaign to rebrand TNA this did not start internally people may think it did or want to believe it did this started with Spike Spike TV which is now Paramount yeah it was their marketing it was their research It was their challenge with advertisers. Again, I always go back to that. It's a business of the freaking wrestling business, folks. You don't have to be all that smart. Oh, I just hit my mic with this really cool mic stand, and it didn't go flying. That's fucking awesome. That's new. Usually when I get amped up and I bounce my mic, it goes flying across the room. The dog fetches it, brings it back to me, plug it in. Hey, it still works. But this came from Viacom. Because Viacom had to go out and represent the content on their show. And prime time, by the way, which is expensive freaking real estate. The shit wasn't on at 2 o'clock in the morning right before Thighmaster infomercial. This stuff was on in prime time on a weeknight. Valuable, valuable advertising real estate. This is where networks make or break their budgets, folks. And those poor people in advertising had to go out and try to sell an advertiser or, 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 yeah, an advertiser had to go out and sell something called TNA. Yeah. I don't know. Seems like it would be a hurdle, doesn't it? <laughs> so it was Viacom that really, uh, and by the way, it was Viacom that spent in excess of a million dollars rebranding a product and a company that they had no equity in. Think about that. Yeah, That's kind of a big damn deal. That's a big thing. It's a big move for a network to do. But Spike TV in particular, Kevin K. Um, specifically. Um, thought, look, if we're going to do this, let's do it. And had to kind of, and, and I was. Very helpful. <laughs> internally. Because I had a decent relationship with Viacom.
0: You know, you hear Eric and I talk about it all the time. We feel like we have the most educated audience in all of the wrestling podcast land, and it's because we like to do our research. We want to learn more about what made those 83 weeks work and what made them not work. It's important to uh, learn those lessons through history and hopefully be better as a result. And if we're spending this much time, effort, and energy learning about old wrestling stuff, shouldn't we do the same with our own family? Here's an idea. Did your great-grandmother work hard to raise her children and keep her family together? Did your grandfather march for social justice and pave the way for change? Did your family persevere through natural disasters to rebuild and start anew? Was there a healthcare worker in your family's past who cared for another generation facing a pandemic? Our ancestors were ordinary people who lived through extraordinary situations, something we can certainly all understand today. And challenging times are nothing new, but neither are resilient people. Learning about the struggles and adversity your family went through can bring you closer to your own family today as you share those stories and form new bonds. Ancestry helps you search billions of records to learn more about the ancestors who came through remarkable challenges so you can be here today. You can find details about their lives in the records at Ancestry, see what they did to earn a living in a census record, or see their actual signature on a military record as they signed up to fight for our country. Learning their stories helps you find a connection to what they went through and how they stood through all those hardships and struggles. When you get closer to your ancestors by learning their stories, you have a new way to get closer to your family. Discovering your ancestor stories of resilience and records at Ancestry can help you gain a deeper understanding of their lives and their strength in every family story. Learn more about yours and Ancestry. Head over to my URL at Ancestry.com forward slash 83 weeks to start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com forward slash 83 weeks. Ancestry.com forward slash 83 weeks. And we thank Ancestry for sponsoring today's podcast. Worst wrestling related name. Do you think TNA or mama Joanna?
1: I think TNA, cause it's a fucking juvenile. I mean, really who, who, who really are you appealing to with that? And yeah. Yeah. HLA. That was a short, you know, short thing that, you know, I don't, I don't know who came up with that idea in WWE. It's one of the things about WWE is you never really know where the ideas come from and, and who's you know, start, who created that idea and who pitched it to Vance. And, you know, it's always a mystery, right? Very seldom do you find out who really created a story. Um, in my experience as a talent and as an executive, and, and, and I think that's smart, by the way, there's a lot of reasons why I think that's a good idea. But my point is I didn't know who came up with HLI. I don't know who did, but it was, you know, it was kind of on the tail end of the attitude era. They had toned things down quite a bit, but were still looking for that edge every once in a while that they could, get right up to, but not quite step over and crash and burn. And HLA was the manifestation of that strategy. But TNA to me is just, and, and I don't know, maybe it's because I know too much about how and why and how stupid the idea was from the get go. And it only got worse and then to just keep driving and driving. And then And then when a company like Viacom who's willing to spend money that they don't have to spend, keep in mind Viacom was also paying for Hulk Hogan and sting and Kurt Angle and Eric Bischoff and probably more people than, than I know um, to offset the expense to to TNA so they could stay in profit. Great. If you can get a network to do that, you're a magician. And, and they did. And, and, not only did, did Viacom want and agree to spend the money and bear the expense of a complete rebranding and strategy and the research that went along with it to support it, there were people internally in TNA that were resisting it and fighting it. I'm talking about on a management side. Can you imagine that? Conrad, can you imagine if somebody that you were doing business with who owned no equity at all in your company? but had done the research and provided you the platform to promote your company on came to you and said, Conrad, I'm going to give you a million dollars and then I'm going to do all, I'm going to do all of the work at my expense and you're going to benefit. I'll benefit too, but you're primarily going to benefit because we're going to grow your brand that I don't own a penny's worth of stock in. Is that okay with you, Conrad?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's unbelievable. Would you
1: get would you get pissy about that? No, sir. Oh my God! Well, that's what happened. That's what happened. But it but it eventually it, it did happen. Um, I don't think there was any choice in the matter. Long term, I wasn't involved in that level of the conversation with senior TNA management named Dixie Carter. But I am pretty certain that there was a a. a a point where in the various conversations leading up to the rebranding, it was, it's this or nothing. A few weeks, everybody, everybody folded their cars and they did a great job. They did a great job.
0: A few weeks later, Meltzer would follow up. Nothing is official regarding the new rebranding campaign. It's probably two to three months away. And the plan is to change the look of the show, perhaps with a new set. Whether the TNA name will be dropped or not is something under consideration, but not yet decided upon. But even if the name isn't dropped, they are going to focus the new marketing on the term impact as opposed to TNA. There is again, talk once the new campaign starts to start taping more television outside of Orlando. Apparently spike is willing to help out on the cost because the costs have been the only reason they aren't already doing it. It looks better than 50% of what the branding campaign starts. They will start taping impact regularly on the road, which was the original plan. I don't know if it, if that was already what the plan was, which was, they would tape in Orlando two to three days after every pay-per-view. And then the next taping would be a few weeks later on a Friday night when they could tape on the road, doing two shows in one night, it saves costs like they did in Fayetteville spike was encouraged because the show in Fayetteville looked better and the ratings were higher and the ratings momentum did not stay when they returned to Orlando. There are a lot of reasons for the ratings that didn't have to do with Orlando versus Fayetteville, including the angle Jarrett storyline was newer and they were building several weeks towards the Fayetteville show with the court case storyline and a loaded show. So perhaps this is more coincidence, but either way, uh, somehow, some way spike is going to be kicking in some cash. And it's also in my research here that yes, it was indeed Vince Russo who gets the credit for the name TNA. I think it's been said that he actually sold Jerry Jarrett on the idea that it meant total nonstop action. Huh. Uh, but of course, Jim Cornette says, nope, it was because of tits and ass. And when you go back to what you said at the start of the show, those early TNA pay per views, when their Wednesday only pay per view concept was the thing, they did have girls in cages, like it was a nightclub or something from, you know, Gordon Gecko era 1980s movie. Um, Yeah, let's move on. Uh, Meltzer would also say last fall, Janice Carter, Dixie Carter's mother got more involved in the day-to-day oversight in the decisions of the company. She began approving the budget and expenses. It's possible that over half a year or so following the company's direction closely, she may have decided to move forth with a new vision. It could be something as basic as a name change, which may have been called for the awful TNA names. It could be something larger, such as the chance in the creative team and overhaul of the roster and overall style. It could be setting the stage for something even more dramatic, like Paul Heyman coming in after all the last word on him right after the last pay-per-view was no, when Jason Powell of prowrestling.net asked if he was still interested in that gig that could quickly change if terms were met and a sweet deal was offered. So there's lots of, Hey, we don't know what's coming, but we know that Janice is more involved and has been more involved. What do you remember about Janice getting more involved?
1: Just that she did. And that it was, um, challenging as a result, because again, and I know I, I don't mean to sound like I'm I'm beating up on them and I look, I wish I, I wish I had half the money that the Carter family, you know, has forgotten they had, (laughs) um, they're very successful, very smart people. They're obviously very good at the core business that they're in. But for Janice or anybody else to put their toe in the water and and try to manage a property within a business on a network as big as Viacom, was stupid because they didn't know anything about it. They didn't know anything about television. They didn't know anything about advertising. They didn't know anything about anything related to the television industry. It was simply a mathematical equation. And I get that too. You need that. You need good financial management. God, if anybody knows that, I do. Um, So it's not that it's not important, but it needs to be balanced with good leadership within the core business that you're being involved in. And there was no core leadership. It was a really weird situation. And I, you know, and she would, Janice would come in and come out, you know, you'd hear her name all the time. And then she seemed to go away and disappear. And he forgot that she even existed. And six months later, a year later, boom, she's in it again and making key decisions. So that's what I knew from just hearing, you know, and, and being affected by things. You know, on a day to day basis, but I never really, I never had a meeting with Janice. Well, no, I take that back. Bruce Pritchard and I actually did have a meeting with Janice Carter right before I left. <clears throat> that was the first time. So during this period of time when I was working day to day in TNA, I had never met. I don't think I had ever met Janice. Maybe I met her when we first came in for a minute, but I never had any dealings with her. Didn't want to have any dealings with her. In fact, I was asked to be on a conference call with her and Dixie and Vince Russo and a bunch of other people and. That wasn't part of my deal. I didn't want to be involved in the audience and I had it expressly written into my contract so that I could deny or not deny, but I could refuse to participate in things. I didn't want to participate in and, um, being in those kind of business calls with Janice Carter was at the top of my list. So I, I refused to do it, which put a lot of heat on me, by the way, for a while, quite a while, as a matter of fact.
0: Talk to me about that. Who are you getting the heat from and how?
1: Well, clearly it was a it was a slap in the face to to Janice Carter because Janice requested that I be on the call.
0: Oh, I see.
1: And Dixie Dixie called me and said, "Hey, we're doing a conference call. My mom wants you to be on the call." I said, "Dixie, you know better. I wasn't hot at Dixie. She was just asking me to do what her mother wanted her to do. I just didn't want to do it. I didn't. And it's not like I was a petulant punk, you know. It was just like petulant, not the word of the day, but like another cool word. Um, it." It's just I knew if I allowed myself to get sucked into conversations or become part of conversations that weren't specifically. I knew what I wanted to do in TNA and I knew more what I didn't want to do. And if I allowed myself to get sucked into it, I'm doing it to myself. And I I refuse. And I got a lot of heat with Janice, which probably rolled downhill to Dixie and the rest of the management team was scared to death of Janice. So those people were all kind of pissed off at me, but I knew that when I made the decision not to do it,
0: let's talk about some other news here. Uh, you know what? No, before we move on, it's mentioned here, you know, Heyman, and if you've been keeping up, this is one of those things you heard about every so often it would come back to, Hey, Jim Ross might be coming in. Hey, Paul Heyman might be coming in. Ultimately, neither one did what do you remember about hearing the rumors of either one of those folks coming in? Well,
1: it wasn't a rumor with Jim Ross. I was part of the conversation and I think I was the one that gave Jim's contact information to Dixie. So it wasn't a rumor. It was a real conversation. And I was part of that conversation. I may have initiated that conversation to a certain degree. I was a catalyst for it at least and fully supportive of it. Um, So that wasn't a rumor. It's true. Um, it didn't work out. Jim ultimately decided not to, to join TNA. I think Jim, you know better than I do. You probably covered this with Jim. I think Jim even made a trip to the, to the ranch in Texas to meet Bob and Janice Carter. That's how serious it got. So, no, it was way more than a rumor. And I think with Paul Heyman, I wasn't a part of those conversations. I knew that they were taking place. Didn't bother me. I've always, you know, I had worked with Paul in WWE. People don't know this. I I have been working on and off with Paul Heyman since the beginning, excuse me, the middle of nineteen eighty seven. Wow. So, you know, the idea of working with Paul wasn't something that made me go, "Ooh, wow!" I wonder what that's going to be like. And by the time, and we didn't always get along all that great, by the way, but. I mean, we weren't adversarial or anything like that, but it's just, you know, he was doing his thing. I was doing mine. Right. But um, by the time we got to WWE, I got to WWE and ECW, WCW was no more and ECW was no more. And we were both talent in WWE. Paul and I spent a lot of time talking creatively and historically and just our general feelings of things and developed a great relationship. We kind of kept it, kept it, because we never knew when we might have an opportunity to make some money together. So we kind of just wanted people to buy into the Heyman hates Bischoff, Bischoff hates Heyman kind of story, but it wasn't true at all. Uh, We had dinner together in LA on occasions when Paul was in town and I was living in LA part-time. So no, by the time the subject of Paul coming in, coming into TNA, you know, percolated um, I was fine with it, but I wasn't a part of it in any way, shape or form. So I don't know any of the details of what Paul wanted and what the possible role he would have played. I don't know any of that. I just knew there were conversations between him and Dixie.
0: I I feel like you just told me there was no Easter Bunny. That You guys never really hated each other. I I really needed... No,
1: no, I don't want to say we... we, No, there were probably times when Paul would have liked to see me set myself on fire. There were times (laughs) when I... Felt similarly about some of the things that Paul was saying and doing.
0: Okay, good. Um, good.
1: But yeah, you uh, last for five minutes, you get over it, and go out and have a steak.
0: I'm gonna pretend you didn't say that second part. I need y'all to still have low key heat with each other. Uh, so right.
1: next- well, hey, it wouldn't take much. By the way, <laughs> nah, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. You know, because I, you know, I mean. Paul, when I got in, inducted into the, the WWE Hall of nice. Fame, Paul, Paul said nice. some amazing things, and and they were heartfelt. and And I just went, man, that's it. I'll take a bullet for this dude. If I have to, I will.
0: Well, I hope that's not necessary. I hope nobody's shooting at Paul.
1: No, they'll be shooting at me. Paul, ho- hopefully, Paul feels the same way about me, and will deflect that moment. But.
0: Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. I know what you're thinking. This guy has another podcast? Listen, I get it. But let me explain. For years, I've been asked if you could have a podcast with anyone in wrestling today, who would it be? And I've been consistent that one of those names was Jeff Jarrett. Now, hear me out here. Jeff Jarrett is a third generation promoter. He grew up in the Memphis Territory, broke in the business in 86, won the Intercontinental, and walked out on Vince McMahon in 95. He jumped ship to start working with the horsemen in 96, and then told the world what he really thought about Austin 316 in 98. He held up Vince McMahon for a ton of cash in 99 and jumped ship again to become world champion in 2000. And then on the final night of the Monday night war, the only ever raw nitro simulcast, he was publicly fired by Vince McMahon in 2001. So without a job in wrestling. He decides to embrace his family heritage as a promoter and create jobs himself and started his own promotion in 02. And then a former WCW employee who was on his team committed fraud that nearly bankrupted both him and his father. So he found an angel investor of sorts who wound up being indicted on one of the largest financial schemes in American history. With both of those guys facing prison time, he met with a public relations firm in Nashville to figure out how to save face, only to find out the lady he was talking to billionaire parents and that's when things got really crazy if Jeff Jarrett's life story
2: were a movie script nobody would believe it Conrad welcome to my world hear my story like you've never heard it before unfiltered and uncensored for the very first time from Memphis to the WWF WCW TNA and everywhere in between nothing is off limits in my world Subscribe today and don't miss my world with Jeff Jarrett Tuesdays on Westwood one.
0: Let's talk about your boy, Kurt angle here. Uh, he's said on Twitter, basically that he's going to sign a new contract when his current deal expires in the fall quote, to all my fans and friends, I'm signing a new deal with TNA, we're working out the kinks, but I'm staying. So please tune in every Thursday night. I gave it much thought. TNA is the underdog and I feel I can help them go to the next level. WWE is the top company, but being the face of TNA is great. TNA has so much potential. I believe in TNA. I love Dixie Carter and I'm staying TNA wants to help me into movies and angle foods. And of course, by the way, he's worked on that now Physicallyfit.com. He's got chicken snacks. Uh, go use uh, the code AnglePod and save yourself 20% and uh, hear his show later this week, right here on Westwood One. But what do you make of that tweet? That's a little weird to me. It just sticks out. WWE is the top company. It's not a lie, but I don't know that you necessarily. I don't know. Feels a little weird to me. What say you? I don't think so at all. I think it was really smart,
1: <clears throat> whether it was a preconceived strategy and, and and designed to make TNA, you know, appear and not appear, but to take advantage of their underdog status. That's about as baby face thing as you can say. And you think about the psychology of what's what, what Kurt's, you know, statements represented, right? You're putting over your opponent. Sure. Damn. I know it's a novel idea in today's wrestling environment because nobody does that shit anymore. Nobody knows how to be a baby face or how to be a heel in, in, in today's world. And maybe that's just a function of our culture and our time. I don't know. I'm not out there doing it. But I do know some of the basic principles of getting yourself over still work to this day. And by the way, putting over your opponent is one of them. And it was true. It was damn true. Oh, I can't believe that. I'm so sorry, Kurt. I couldn't even do a good job of it.
0: No. But
1: why not? What are you going to, what else are you going to say? I thought it was, like I said, I don't know, it's just natural for Kurt because he's a smart dude anyway and understands psychology or he's an athlete and has been an athlete all of his life and instinctively knows, you know, respect your opponent, put him over and then beat him. (laughs) That's fucking awesome.
0: Talk to me about uh, Dixie here. Dixie is She's helped a lot of people over the years. And I, I I want to talk more about that as we continue to cover TNA this year. But Kurt has said on his show, how she cared about him and his family on a personal level, more than just wrestling, more than just business. And of course, Kurt at different times had battled some demons with addiction. And he says, I believe in TNA. I love Dixie Carter and I'm staying. If nothing else. Dixie did a great thing here showing Kurt when he needed somebody to care that she cared, right? That's Dixie's nature. <clears throat> Dixie gets a fair amount
1: of heat as anybody would in a position she was in. Um, and there were some things that were really frustrating about, about Dixie and I've covered them before in terms of lost opportunity. But when it came to a human being, you know, just being a really nice person and nice to everybody. Yeah, not selectively. You know, not 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 to benefit her. She was generally a very empathetic and genuine person. She's she's the kind of person that I can see at some point in her life deciding she's just going to open an animal shelter, just a nonprofit. Yeah. Or, or do something in, the, in her community for children or underprivileged kids or adults. You know, she's just a giving person. That is her true nature.
0: Let's uh, let's keep it moving here and talk about some more news and notes related to Kurt. This one, not such great news. Kurt's going to plead guilty to charges of reckless driving, going back to an incident on March 25th and uh, grand Forks, North Dakota angle was not at the sentencing, but agreed to pay a $475 fine and serve one year of unsupervised probation and receive a suspended sentence of 10 days in prison. He also has to undergo a chemical dependency evaluation. Uh, Police found him at 1215 AM after driving to Grand Forks after a show in Fargo the night before the police reported a passerby called them about a car in the median of the road. They found angle behind the wheel and he had alcohol on his breath uh, it's believed that he was to have a 0.83 alcohol content, and that's slightly above the legal limit of 0.8. And he's released on bond and wrestles the rest of the tour. And, um, he tells the police that, Hey, I got a text message that distracted me. And, uh, that's when I, that's how I got into the median. And then he went on Twitter with a completely different story saying he wasn't drunk His car slid in a snow median and he called for help. Uh, unfortunately there was no snow. But again, this sort of points back to what you were saying about Dixie. Dixie's not giving up on this man. Dixie wants this guy to pull the nose up, and uh, she was a big part of of him sort of getting himself on the right track
1: again. And she did the same thing for Jeff Hardy. Yes, and and probably others that I'm you know unaware of or never w- was aware of. Um, so like again, it's that's, that's her nature. No, and that, that's an admirable quality. I guess I keep talking about it and overemphasizing it to a degree because again, it's one of the things that you don't hear about a lot. You hear about other things that are more controversial or topical or better clickbait, but you don't hear about the good things. Sometimes people do.
0: Let's hear about some of the good things you're doing with MCW. True TV has signed a six episode first season deal. It's going to debut this summer. Uh, these are mini wrestlers, uh, Meltzer would call it the minis league that Eric Bischoff and Jason Hervey were behind boy. Tell me how this came together. Um,
1: how did this come together? I was in my kitchen one weekday morning and I got a call from Hulk and he said, Hey brother, he didn't say, Hey brother. But he said, Hey Eric. I had, you know, remember Johnny Green, Eric? And I said, Johnny Green, Johnny Green. No. he's Johnny Green, he used to work for you. He's from Florida, he's from Tampa. I went, oh, that Johnny Green. Yeah, I remember that Johnny Green. And I didn't, but he said, hey, Johnny's got, um, he's running this MCW, this micro championship wrestling league, and they're doing bars and nightclubs. A bar is a nightclub, whatever. Get my drift? They're they're staging events. Um, you know, they're part of a lot of uh, outdoor events during the summer, biker rallies and that kind of stuff. And they're making a ton of money and they're having a lot of fun. You think it would be a good reality show? Hmm. Little people, see what I did there. Last time I said midgets and I caught hell for it in social media. So, I'm learning and I'm growing.
0: You just said it again, Eric. This is not how this
1: works. No, I'm contrasting okay. what I am now and, and how more enlightened I am as a human being and sensitive to the issues of others as opposed to what I was then. So, it's an illustrative point, not a social commentary. Anyway, before I was interrupted, <laughs> I said, that's kind of cool. I mean, that's unique. There isn't anything on television like that. And we know some people that are looking for something wrestling related, but it's not wrestling. They want a wrestling show, but they want something on the the periphery. of. That's a word I use a lot, but uh, still a cool word. But they want something like that. You know, and I want, okay, I know a few people fall into that category. And a couple of them, we'd done some work with true TV was a network that Jason and I did a bunch of things with. We knew a lot of key executives there. So I said, let me make a phone call. I called Jason and we talked about it and we got on the phone with shoe TV and we got a green light. Yeah, we like that idea. Let's see what it looks like. And then Jason and I doing what we did, got our team on top of it, cut a really cool little scissor reel based on footage that was provided to us by one Johnny Green, who I then at that point did remember and we put this as a reel together using other people's footage, did a voiceover on it, made it look all cool, put our logo on it so it looks like we actually did the work, but we didn't. Johnny Green did. And we pitched it up to the executives of True TV, and they went, bam, we love this. this is awesome. This is exactly what we're looking for. And we shot a pilot funded by True TV. And they, now this is a Bishop hurvey production. We didn't just slap our logo on somebody else's shit at this point. You'll do that with a scissor reel, but not with a pilot. That would be no can do. But yeah, we we produced the uh, the pilot episode and they went, bam, bam, we're going to do this. And we did it. And I'm glad we did it. I personally could tell you my half of the 300,000 reasons why I'm glad I did it. You got 300 grand on that deal Mm, by the time it was all said and done. Yeah. Good for you. See, we made money off the license fees, which is a percentage of the overall budget, but because we were actually physically producing the show and had our own team of post-production people and all of the equipment, you know, and edit bays and all of that, we were actually making a margin on the physical production as well. And that's where the majority of the money was at the time, particularly in unscripted. Um, and we were pretty good at it. So, um, yeah, we made a, we made a fair amount of money off that show.
0: Man. One of these days we got to get over to ad free shows and just let me pick your brain about the TV business. But for now, let's talk about sting. He does an interview with the daily star where he says he did the angle where he and Kevin Nash quit after bound for glory that he expected to be brought back to continue the angle in January. So he had committed to doing another year. But then he said there was a contractual issue. They didn't get finalized. And that's why he didn't come back until a few weeks ago. And around the same time, Wade Keller would report that Sting surprised a lot of people when he did an interview for the UK daily star, where he admitted he was offered a match against the undertaker and a spot in the WWE hall of fame. He even said he was scheduled to meet with Vince McMahon, but then instead opted to cancel the meeting. And of course, people within WWE told Wade there were no formal talks between Sting and the company. And uh, on the WWE side of things, they're saying Sting was not offered a match with The Undertaker, but there may have been informal talk regarding a Hall of Fame spot and a Legends contract. Of course, TNA sources believe that uh, Sting was shooting straight about the WWE's entrance level. And it did make sense that they would have had a conversation with him about the Hall of Fame. By the way, at WrestleMania 27, he, uh, he being the undertaker wound up wrestling triple H. So I guess I could have seen that that was the WrestleMania in Atlanta, the home of WCW. So sting versus the undertaker in Atlanta may have been a fun idea. Were you hearing rumors or rumblings of that? And what'd you think of that? I didn't, I didn't, um, didn't have an opinion
1: on it. Wasn't aware of it till probably made, you know, the, the rounds in social media or dirt sheets or whatever you want to call them. Um, I knew nothing about it. Didn't talk to Steve about it. Steve didn't share any of that with me personally. So I don't know how much is true or how much isn't true. I have no idea.
0: Talk to me a little bit about Desmond Wolf. Uh, Meltzer would say regarding Desmond, nothing's changed. When asked Hulk Hogan said the ball was in his court, but we've heard the opposite. A few months back, he was scheduled to reform his team with Magnus, but plans changed and Doug Williams was given the spot and stuff with him was uh, edited off of the show. You may recall, this is around the same time when he started to have some issues with his uh, medical situation. Uh, He has been doing some uh, stuff in the local community theater in central Florida, so he's trying to being the acting community, we know him more often than not as Nigel McGinnis, his in-ring career is going to start winding down here. What do you remember of his sort of hokey pokey with WCW no, with TNA here at the end?
1: I mean, it wasn't lucky as he had a pretty serious medical condition that prevented him from participating that he hoped he would be able to get under control. And he didn't. Yeah. That's all it was. It, it was <clears throat> TNA wanting and hoping that things were going to work out as well as as um, Nigel McGuinness but it didn't and so I can understand why from a viewer's perspective who didn't really know the backstory nor should they have known it was a personal issue Uh, so that's, that's really all it was there was no political maneuvering or hocus pocus or anything of the sort it was just a I trying to overcome a physical or medical condition and hoping it would work out and it didn't
0: let's get to the show lockdown. We're finally here. Devon wins a pre-show match that aired live. It's not long, two and a half minutes, but out first check this out. It's an eight way X division elimination match to become the top contender. Jay lethal, Jeremy Buck, amazing red, Chris Sabin, Brian Kendrick and suicide, which is actually Christopher Daniels under a hood. We're all in a losing effort. That's all over. Max buck gets his hand raised. You watch this one for the first time in a long time. What do you remember about this one?
1: Remember everybody worked their guts out. All the talent in the ring really, really worked hard. I was very impressed with their ability to do so much in a relatively small ring within the confines of a cage because the stage your working area is so small. Yes. And when you, when you put eight people in there, it's like, how do you do anything without stepping on somebody right. or tripping somebody up? Oh yeah. Throw a referee in there too, because God knows you need one of those, but and it was good looking referee too. I can't remember the kid's name, whatever. It doesn't matter, but, um, sorry, good.
0: Jackson, James Garrett wasn't there. This was Jackson, James, Eric. Did you not watch Jackson James? That's
1: right. Jackson, James, totally
0: different. Not your son, Garrett. I know you're just thinking of your kid, but this is Jackson, James, totally different guy,
1: totally different. Thanks for pointing that out. I I forget. I'm old shit. Just kind of escapes me from time to time. Sure. Sure. But, uh, no, they did, they did it. Everybody worked hard and there was some really great spots a lot of sense, but that's okay. You know, everybody was fired up. You want to open up your show with something spectacular and very visual and dynamic. And there was all of that and more in this match. That's all the good stuff I could say. And as for the bad stuff, I'll just say it didn't make any freaking sense. Just didn't. It was just there to be, oh, this is awesome. That's it. That's what it was there for in it to that end. It served its purpose.
0: Let's also mention here. Um, well, let's just read Meltzer's recap. Not sure why they couldn't put someone else in the suicide gimmick, giving that Daniels had a main event match to work. This match had problems. First, everyone was running through their moves and it seems like they had no regard for the crowd and the crowd had no regard for them as well. Television hasn't established these guys as faces or heels. Plus with all the stuff they throw out on television, none of it sticks anyway, because nobody, including the people in the company can keep it straight. Another issue is the best guys in this match, red Saban, Daniels, and lethal were all out early. So you had a good first half, if not particularly engaging the audience. The second half was neither good nor engaging. After Saban was eliminated, nothing in the match could match up to the first half, so it went flat. Plus, the match was built around the Max versus Jeremy feud, and the live crowd and TV crowd both don't care about it. Max refused to work against Jeremy early. Red pin suicide in 248 with the Gail Kim style almost a codebreaker into the foot. Nobody thought it was the finish, and nobody in the company apparently realized that you ring the bell when there's a pin. They noted in commentary that Alex Shelley was supposed to return in this match, but his shoulder hasn't healed yet. Saban and lethal did some cool stuff. That was the first stuff the crowd was really into. Uh, and he continues to break down the match from there. But the point is lots of problems here. It comes down to Kendrick and max with everyone pinned. The last two have to escape the cage. So the rules change for these last two. And Meltzer would say, why do they make it so confusing to where the average fan not only has no idea what the stipulation is, but they do so many that they don't care. Max was climbing and Kendrick climbed after him, but there was no heat at all. Kendrick rammed Max's head into the cage several times and was biting him. Kendrick was climbing again. Max shoved the referee into the cage. Kendrick lost his balance, falls back into the ring. So Max climbs over the top to win star in three quarters. The changing of the rules is the weird part. If we've conditioned that it's a pin, but now that it really matters, now it's a race to leave. It's a little confusing.
1: Confusing is a very polite word. Yeah. How about? Let me think about this. Fucking stupid. Yes, that that Let's works. Let's go too. with that. That works too. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say, man. I mean, they, it That they, they was very insightful. Very insightful.
0: Let's jump around. Let's get to uh, the next match here on the show. We've got Shannon Moore and Jesse Neal winning a four-way to become top contenders for the tag titles over Douglas Williams and Magnus Scott Steiner and crimson Orlando and Eric young, eight minutes and 49 seconds, Eric, I don't mean to be this way, but we got to talk about the business of the pro wrestling business. We are two matches in and we've had 16 motherfuckers on payroll. We have one ring. We have one cage and we've managed to, in two matches, shove 16 dudes inside. That's 16 dudes. You got to pay to wrestle That's 16 dudes. You got to pay to put up in a hotel, 16 dudes. You got to feed 16 dudes. You got to fly in 16 dudes, two matches in one cage, uh, 16
1: dudes, two matches, one cage, and not a fucking ounce of story. I don't get it. <laughs> Welcome to my nightmare. And I'm the thing- over it.
0: Uh, by the way, I don't there's wake a wake up
1: in the middle of the night sweating thumbtacks about it. I don't show up in the morning angry going into a production meeting anymore because it's in my rear view mirror. But damn, wasted opportunity, lack of vision. And what happens when you've got people running a wrestling company that know nothing about a wrestling company and you've got creative people who know nothing about wrestling or how to produce it? for a, an audience and they're just throwing shit up against a wall. Everybody had a great idea. Everybody had fun. All the talent got to work a pay-per-view. Yay. Mom, dad, friends, family, come on, watch me on TV. That's what that was.
0: I just, I it was really cosplay. Yeah. It
1: was cosplay. There were people playing, wrestling people. I'm talking about the talent, by the way.
0: No, no. There's so many talented folks here. I mean, we just ran through the incredible roster for that first match, but here we got Shannon Moore, Doug Williams, Magnus, who we know is Nick Aldis, Scott Steiner, uh, Eric Young. There's a lot of really talented guys here, but it's just, there's too many. There's too many. And 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 none of them were
1: used to the best of their abilities. You know, you had Scott Steiner come running down a Scott had had a drop foot Yeah, she had to wear a brace. <clears throat> it's not a secret, not divulging something that people don't already know, but don't have but him do a run in. Yeah. Running down the ramp. Yeah. And then running back up the rant ramp while the camera chases him. Yeah. Brilliant idea. Brilliant.
0: Talk to me a little bit about ink ink the team of, uh, Jesse Neal and Shannon Moore. I mean, they get the win here. And when you look at Doug Williams and Magnus and you look at Scott Steiner and Crimson and Orlando Jordan and Eric young, I don't know that I would have necessarily picked ink ink to win, but they are, you know, young up and coming. Good looking dudes. I get why they're in the spot. They are. Who was a big advocate for them?
1: Bully was a big advocate. Jesse Neal trained with Bully and Devon.
0: There you go,
1: and there was a there there was a lot of support behind um, Jesse from from Bully and Devon. I I I I liked Jesse. He, Jesse had a cool backstory, man. He had a great backstory. It didn't necessarily fit the fucking dated punk rocker gimmick, which I really hated. Just blah. Ugh. <sighs> Let's appeal to the smallest segment of the audience (laughs) because that's what we do here, folks. Um, But as a talent and a a guy with backstory and and some pretty good potential on the mic, he would have needed work and time and experience. He wasn't like great coming off off, of, out of wrestling school, but he had the potential. Uh, I think Dixie liked his backstory and what he had the potential of becoming. And that's really why. And Shannon Moore was a great talent. I've known Shannon since the beginning of his wrestling career. I brought him into WCW. Uh, And and Shannon, when he was at the top of his game, was one of the best. So there was no reason not to. But you're right. It seemed different. I'm not sure what the logic was or who was behind giving him the win here over everybody else. But I can see why it happened.
0: Next up, we've got, um, Mickey James pinning Madison rain to win the knockout title in a match where James had put up her hair. Um, Meltzer was not high on this. He says James left shoulder was all taped and she kept her arm in a position. Like there was an imaginary sling on it. Earl Hebner tried to take Rain's tiara off, but it wouldn't come off because he didn't take off the Bobby pin. Taz noted that they didn't have tiaras back in Earl's day. Back in the 1820s. DDT finisher, 35 seconds in. Meltzer says given the circumstances, it was probably all they could do. So at this point, counting the pre show, now we've had 20 performers, and this match goes 35 seconds.
1: It's uh, probably the best match on the card.
0: <laughs> I'm starting to,
1: to Oh my God, that was a horrible thing to say. I'm sorry. No offense to the talent. Hold on, I'm gonna cough again and play with my mute button. Okay, that sounded weird. I'll be
0: right back. Oh, I feel good. And he's back. He's Uh, back. Why? Why why bother having the match on pay per view if it's 35 seconds in a single DDT? Now, here's the thing: I'm not saying that nobody cared about the match, but I am saying if you did care about the match and you did spend money to see this match, again, I don't know how many people did, but if you did. This would just piss you off, right? Why wouldn't you just announce a so-and-so has sustained an injury and will not be available to appear. Here's the
1: advantage <clears throat> that TNA had at the time. It was really hard for them to piss off an audience because they didn't have enough of an audience to piss off. The people that were watching TNA were diehard homegrown TNA fans, and they were going to, they were going to watch TNA no matter what. So in a situation like this, there was no Thought to wow, what if we piss off the fans who are spending money or time to, to watch this match? Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. We, oh, we got to put the match on. We advertise the match. Yeah, but we can't do a decent match. Yeah, I know, but we advertised it. We have to do it. Okay, do it, and it ends in thirty-five seconds, and nobody cares. And honestly, those both of those women should have gone to Vince Russo and thanked him profusely for only subjecting them to 35 minutes of that paper or 35 seconds of that pay-per-view.
3: Do you find yourself making that long commute home, listening to your favorite wrestling podcast only to realize half your trip was hearing way too many ads, just like this one. Then I have a solution for you adfreeshows.com maybe you've often wondered what it would be like to actually see Kurt Angle's face as he talks through one of his many epic wrestling matches guess what you can and it's only at adfreeshows.com adfreeshows.com is the be all end all for wrestling fans whether you like to listen or watch you can do it early and ad free right now and find out why everyone that joins says why didn't I do this sooner an annual subscription could be the perfect birthday mother's day or father's day gift. So put it on your list and head on over to AdFreeshows.com Now to see what all the buzz is about.
0: Next up, we've got a pretty good one. Samoa Joe is going to wrestle Pope D'Angelo De Niro. Samoa Joe gets the win in 10 minutes and 57 seconds. Uh, they trade a lot of slaps. Of course, Joe gets the better of that. Uh, eventually, um, Uh, Pope comes off the top with an elbow and Joe kicks out at one. Pope uses a code breaker for a near fall. He goes for a running double knees, but Joe picks him up, smashes the back of his head against the cage and uses the muscle buster off the top, followed by a choke. He gave it two and a half stars. There is one incident here where Pope's trying to climb out of the cage and Joe's going to pull his pants down and they show a close up of Pope's exposed butt. And Taz is yelling at David Sahadi for getting the close up. So they inserted a little bit of comedy in here, I suppose. A flare spot, if you will. We both really like these guys, though. Meltzer didn't hate it. Two and a half stars. What say you? Uh, this was <clears throat> at least up to this
1: point, the best match on the card. <clears throat> I I enjoyed it. I always enjoy, you know, I love intense scary Joe. The Joe's gonna kill you, Joe. Yeah. I dig that character a lot. That's good stuff. Always been a big fan of Pope. You know, some of the promos and you know the interviews that Pope did, you know, built leading up to this match, I thought were really, really good. They were well done. Pope is great, great, great in a promo. Um, and so is Joe. So I there was a lot to like about this. And the fact that it wasn't stupid made it even more attractive to me. There was a reason for it. There was this, there was at least a little backstory and they are two really, really good characters. And it wasn't cluttered up with a bunch of silliness just for the sake of action.
0: Check this one out. How about Matt Morgan and Hernandez eight minutes and 13 seconds. It gets a star and a half. Um, Hernandez has a little bit of help from the outside, but Morgan knocks him down by kicking at him. Hernandez comes off the top rope, right into the carbon footprint for the pen star and a half Matt Morgan and Hernandez feel like two prime examples of what could have been. It seems like TNA tried at, di- at different times to push both of these talents very, very hard. And there's probably some folks who were on the undercard here who were thinking, why not me? And maybe time has proven that to be true. What can you tell us about Matt Morgan and Hernandez?
1: Well, just watching the match back this morning, it was a cluster. It just, and, and not because they're not both good guys or talented guys or pros, they were and probably still are, but it's chemistry. We've talked about chemistry before. You've got to have somebody that makes you look better than you really do in the ring with you. You know, that's one of the reasons why everybody wanted to work with Ric Flair because Ric Flair could make anybody look better than they really were. Uh, did Anderson. You know, and and a host of others, you know, there are those, those masters of the art who can, as they used to say all too often, wrestle a broomstick and make the broomstick look good. Those are the masters of the art. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Matt Morgan and Hernandez. And each of them needed to be in the ring with someone that could make them better look better than they really were. And instead, they were in the ring against someone or with someone who didn't have that skill set. And they both looked bad as a result. Bad, just bad, bad booking, bad casting. These are two guys that should have never been in the ring together.
0: It's hard to argue, you know, just, uh, I think both of these guys could probably do, um, a hell of a match with some of the smaller performers doing the old David versus Goliath. But I think sometimes people just see these big guys and say, oh, on paper, giant versus giant, but that doesn't always translate.
1: No, Hernandez was by, I mean, Matt Morgan is a big dude. I don't know how tall he is. He's seven foot or something or close to it. Big fella. He's a big, big dude and a great guy and a talented person. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking him, but It's hard for a guy like Matt Morgan, as big as he is, and to wrap his head around the psychology of selling because you're taught, you know, as a big guy, wrestle like a giant. You don't sell the same things that guys of of a smaller stature might sell because you're hurting your character if you do. And Hernandez, he didn't have that, you know, giant issue to deal with. He was a big, stout dude. Don't get me wrong. He probably weighed 240, 250. He was maybe six foot. I think. Maybe not. He's about my height. I'm 5'10 and a half. So I'm thinking he's not much taller than me, if he was at all. But he was stout and yeah,
0: tough. He looks like a big dude.
1: But he didn't know how to sell. Yeah. Look at him in this match. I mean, he just didn't know how to sell. He wasn't experienced enough at this point his career and that's why i say you put you just don't put these two guys together it's not because individually they aren't talented and have a lot of potential it's because they just it was just bad a square peg round hole 16 minutes and 20 seconds 26 seconds of my life i'll never get back because now i've had to watch it twice
0: the next match is a good one it's kurt angle and jeff Jarrett, but this is big on story but maybe a little devoid here in the rules. Um, it's a three, sort of a three matches inside of one. The first match is a submission match. The second match is a pinfall and the third match is an escape the cage. And again, I think on paper that sounds pretty cool, but an execution it's gotta leave everybody in the audience, the live audience who doesn't have commentators in their ear, reminding them of what's happening every step of the way, uh, a little less than falls a little flat. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of analogies here. I was thinking as you were talking to to me, it seemed like again, going to a movie and when I go to a movie or even if I watch scripted television, i I try to look for that moment when you transition from act one to act two, yeah. there's a certain formula involved. And if you watch it closely enough and you watch for it consistently and you, you watch the time, you know, along with it, I like looking for those things. That's it's fascinating to me. Cause that's the level of detail that I look for in a well-produced movie or television show. Um, and in this case, to me, it seemed like act one was awesome. Act two is really, really good. And if this is a movie, as much as I love buttered popcorn and milk duds together, it's like my childhood weakness. When I was a little kid growing up in Detroit, my mom used to drop me off at the Eastgate Theater over on Gratian, about seven mile in Gratian. And she would give me 35 cents to get in by myself in Detroit, not eight mile where the movie was about, right? Seven mile, which is a mile closer to downtown. My mom would drop me off there by myself. That's how safe it was at the time. And I would go in on a Saturday afternoon matinee and I would watch my favorite movie. But part of the gig for me was that I'd always get a tub of buttered popcorn in a big old box of milk duds because the sweetness of the caramel within a milk dud And the salty, buttery goodness of the popcorn was just mouth magic for me as a little kid. I just loved it. And this match, looking at it, reminded me of those moments when I was at this movie. Maybe it was an Elvis Presley movie, you know, one of those Blue Hawaii. Maybe that was it. I think Ann Margaret was in that one. And it reminded me of when I was a little kid and I'm in that second act and I really wanted some more butter popcorn and another box of milk. But the movie was so good because Elvis was about ready to sing that I wouldn't go up and get it. And I sat through the movie because that's how good the movie was. And this is how I felt up until the point where it was an escape the cage match. And it just made me think, oh my God, I should have gone and gotten the butter popcorn. <laughs> Really? That's how I felt. It's a disappointment. Yeah. And it's overbooking. That's what happens when you cram so much. And here's kidding aside. Cause I had fun with that. I love just riffing like that. I don't know. I entertain myself. I hope I hope it's not appalling to the audience. But I think what happened, and it happens today, right? Not going to name names or even companies. I'm going to say it happens across the board, and, it, and I believe it does. When you get people, talent especially, who are involved in laying out story. Talent, because they're performing the story in the ring, so they see the story play out in their head, yes, differently than the audience that's watching at home. Because mm-hmm. the talent sees the nuance, the talent participates in the nuance, yes. therefore, experiences it at a different level than the audience at home. And you can get too complex, you can become too nuanced. You can start if you're not careful when you're laying out a match or a storyline, if you're not careful and you don't remember that you're too close to it to, to really be calling the final shots on it. Sometimes you just put too much in because to you as a performer, it makes sense, but a lot of it is lost on the television audience. It doesn't feel it, see it or experience it at the same level. The talent does. And that's where a good producer or a good director comes in and certainly in the case of creative, a good head writer comes in and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's, let's cut this down in some ways. Let's make this make a little bit more sense to the viewer at home, as opposed to the guys laying it out that are going to be performing it in the ring. This was a perfect example of that, not a criticism, just an observation.
0: Let's talk about the, uh, the story, and against all lines, Jeff Jarrett defeated Kurt angle and per the stipulation <laughs> Kurt angle had to give his ex-wife Karen away to his rival, Jeff Jarrett at the wedding renewal of the Jarrett's. So on the 24th, uh, February 24th impact, the Jarrett's distracted angle, costing him the match with Rob Van Dam and Mr. Anderson the following week angle ruined the Jarrett's wedding renewal ceremony by beating down Jeff and driving Karen's face into her own wedding cake. Infuriated, the Jarrett's redid the ceremony the same night. Angle cooperated this time, despite insults being hurled at him from Karen until the ceremony concluded and he scared them off with an ax. That's right. An ax on the March 17th impact. Angle presented a gift to Jeff and declared he was a better man and husband and father to Karen and Angle's kids uh, (laughs) under the custody of Karen. Not sincerely. I know it's
1: hard to even read about it, isn't it? The, it's so awkward. It's just so awkward and hats off to them for being able to be such adults.
0: Chat me up about this though. Like when you're, is this something that you and Hulk just look at each other and say, this is fucking weird. Not
1: weird. I guess but this this is something I don't want to get near. I don't want to be I I don't want my fingerprints on it. I don't want to say I like something, I don't want to say I dislike something. I'm going to pretend it's happening in a vacuum and I'm not involved in it. <clears throat> because it was just dangerous. I mean, I, I've seen what happens when you take real life conflict and put it in the ring. I've been part of it a couple times. And for the most part, it has the potential of blowing up in your face. And now you take something as sensitive and raw and real as the Karen angle, Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett, Kurt angle trifecta was (sighs) playing with fire. And I didn't want to get burned. So I stayed as far away from it as I could. You you know what? I got to say this though. Now that's okay, and all everything I just said is true. Okay, but Karen, my God, she was a great performer.
0: Oh yeah, she was. She's like a female Bischoff.
1: Sure, she no, she was way better than me. She was so good because she had more range. Yeah, than I did. You know, I was pretty good at one thing, but Karen, she could. She had so much range and she was so believable. God, she was awesome in this and fearless. And I think that's what makes you awesome in a certain level. Yeah. Not not just physically in the rain, like Kurt, obviously defines it. Google the internet. There's Kurt. Um, But Karen as a character, like, I don't think embarrassment was a word that was a part of her vocabulary as a performer, she would do anything. She had no fear at all. She, she was so good. I just can't say enough great things about
0: her. Did you, um, I know there's parts of TNA. You didn't touch with a 10 foot pole, but what are you hearing? I mean, I'm sure there's gotta be at least passing conversation with Dixie or someone about, wait a minute, what are they doing here? I mean, this is maybe arguably the most controversial angle in the history of TNA, right?
1: Maybe wrestling when you think about it. Yeah, probably, probably (laughs) take off your brand blinders and forget about who you like better than who and who had the better idea when and all that crap, and just look at the, the. The basis of the story, the premise. Oh,
0: it's boy unbelievable! Meets
1: boy, boy meets girl, boy loses girl. Boy and the girl and the boy that he lost the girl too are now gonna beat the hell out of each other in the ring. And oh, by the way, let's throw their kids in there too. That's oh, unbelievable. Ooh, doggy. I think that has to be the most controversial real life angle in the world involving the angle.
0: Yes. Is Dixie nervous about it or is she playing go between who is, I've never talked to Jeff or Kurt about this, so I don't know, but how are they sort of keeping the peace? Do you know? That was, that was the
1: part, you know, that was, that that struck me as so unique and Jeff and Kurt, Karen would, they're the ones that laid this out. Right, they were—they were all getting along fine. They'd see each other backstage and you know, hug and shake hands. And kids would come over and hey, go see Daddy. You oh, know, Jeff and I are going to be over here for a while. And then he come back. I mean, it was just like a a happy family. Weird, yeah. Well, not weird. Weird situation for sure. But they handled it so well that I—I I never got the sense. I'm not saying maybe it happened. Maybe there was tense moments. You know, I don't know because I, I kept my distance, but you know, when I'd see him backstage or I'd see him in catering, because everybody knows it's the only reason I got in the wrestling business because it was free food. Yeah, of course. And I would see him in catering, you know, and, and everybody's just get along. And I don't know. Very interesting. It can be done people. We can all get along. By the way, the storyline is a perfect example. It is a real life story morphed into entertainment. That is illustrative of how well we can all get along. If we just decide to be mature adults.
0: Referee, Brian Hebner is going to kick Karen out before the match starts. Immediately. Jarrett starts applying the figure four. He's looking for the submission. Ultimately we know angle gets the first fall with the submission Jarrett ties it up with the pinfall. And now there's lots of Gaga, um, in this final, who's going to escape the cage. It looked like angle had not looked like angle had him beat. He's unlocked the cage. He's opened the cage door and then he takes a step and you can see him contemplate. Wait a minute. Do I want to win this match or do I want to kick this guy's ass. And that's real. So he shuts the cage himself and goes back in. And then he goes back to it again and gets a second step down thinking, no, I really want to win changes his mind again, comes back. They go back and forth. Eventually lots of big bumps, including one of the scariest sequences you'll ever see. It looks like Jeff Jarrett's going for a top rope power bomb. Kurt angle nearly lands on his damn neck right in front of all of us. It's unbelievably scary. They show a, re- was. They show a replay of it, but it is a woof. I mean, that thing goes a little bit more one way or the other. Oh, this is a whole different story. Uh, eventually, though, we get a top rope angle slam, which is a big spot, and then of course there is some interference on the outside. And what do you know? Kurt says, "You know what? Rather than contend with that, I am just going to do a moonsault off the top of the cage." He doesn't hit it, thankfully, uh, and then eventually Karen's back involved. We get a little bit of the spray, and then she slams the uh, door on Kurt's head, just like the old Flair von Eric Angle from years ago. And that's it. Jeff Jarrett gets the win. What'd you think? I mean, listen, the first two, to your point, really good. I even like the idea of angle having it one and then thinking better about it. I didn't hate the power bomb. It was scary. Wish it wouldn't happen, but I'm glad everybody's okay. Love the top rope angle slam. Love the big moonsault. I'm with all that. But when Karen comes down with the spray and then later slamming the cage door, I understand she's big on story. We've got, we should include her but it just felt unnecessary. And I guess it's just continuing the story from the beginning of the match where she was banned from ringside. I don't know. It was a little too much Gaga. If that's even possible with this storyline, what'd you think? I mean, you just,
1: <clears throat> I couldn't sum it up as well as you just did. It's just too much. Yeah. And had, had this match ended. And here's the other thing, we you know, with Kurt, you know, getting ready to step out and going, nah, I really want to kick this guy's ass, locking himself back in it was good. It could have been great. Yes. It would have needed to be handled differently by color and play by play. It de- it would have needed to be executed differently by the talent in order to draw more out of it. I think if it would have taken more time and there would have been more pause, perhaps execute a little bit better as a performance. Just so that, because there again, the talent knew what they were doing. They knew the nuance of the story. They knew it. And they did a great job from a psychology perspective. Laying this match out was so well done. And the backstory was already there, obviously. But I wish they would have not used Karen at the end because it wasn't necessary. Yeah, The heat needed to be between Kurt and Jeff. She was the catalyst for it, and she was the shit disturber and, you know, the heat in the middle. I get that. But that the end of that match should have only involved Kurt and Jeff, and it should have been Kurt's inner struggle, his battle with his own demons that became apparent in the finish of this match and overcoming it. And by that, I mean the vicious I want to kill you for what you did to my family feeling that yeah. Kurt should have had in you know performance-wise did have but that should have been the battle should have been been between Kurt and Kurt at the end until the baby Kurt did the right thing and got the win And it just could have been more dramatic and cleaner and easier to understand from the audience's perspective and relate to and get into for all those reasons. It would have been easier had they not overproduced it at the very end.
0: Let's, uh, let's remind everybody they get a four-star rating here because it's big on story the work was really good, but yeah, we wish that last fall was a little better. Let's get to the next match. It's a triple threat for the world title. It's sting defending his world title against Rob Van Dam and Mr. Anderson, uh, as a reminder here on the March 17th impact, Anderson's going to demand a rematch for the world title after wrestling to a double count out with Van Dam at victory road, leaving no clear number one contender. You and Hogan book a four way involving Anderson and Van Dam that ends in a double pinfall causing the same result. The following week, Sting is selected by the network to be the special enforcer of the rematch, and uh, this leads to a feud where Anderson accuses Sting for disqualifying him for his actions that rendered the official referee unconscious, which made Van Dam the contender for the TNA world title. On the March 31st, Impact you and Hogan then add Anderson to the world title match, making it a triple threat, and so here we are. They don't get a ton of time, seven minutes and 45 seconds. Sting gets a huge reaction coming out. Meltzer would say way bigger than anyone else. Um, but again, only seven minutes, 45 seconds. There is some silliness here. Um, Hogan comes out with a pipe. I don't know why, but I've always found the use of pipes in wrestling to be hilarious. I don't mean the types that. Used to float around locker rooms in the nineties. I mean, like the type from the board game clue, it was Sterling golden in the library with a pipe. It's silly. Uh, Meltzer says, even though he's a heel on TV, the crowd popped huge for Hogan, even though Hogan is a heel, they cut to showing Hogan's wife and daughter jumping up and down. None of that makes any sense. Hogan gave RVD the pipe through the cage. RVD took it which meant in the RWF or Russo wrestling federation rules of always doing the opposite. So everyone knows of head of time to expect the least logical thing. RVD threw the pipe away. Anderson then got the pipe and hit RVD with it. Anderson then started yelling at Hogan to establish Anderson would do anything to win, but he's not joining Hogan. And as Anderson was distracted by yelling at Hogan, sting uses the scorpion death drop on Anderson. And there's your pin star and a half. What the fuck is this, man?
1: Well, <clears throat> I think that the observation about, you know, Hogan being a heel and the crowd popping for him um, in a positive, in a baby face manner is because teenagers <throat> in Cincinnati. Yeah, They're in front of a live crowd, not a s- television studio crowd, a actual arena full of 4,000. Actual wrestling fans who probably hadn't seen Hulk Hogan in person in a long time, That's right? and you can expect that you're going to get a baby face pop. It wasn't anybody's fault. It's just the same reaction that sting got the reason sting got a bigger reaction than anybody else is because God, we've been watching him on television. Now at this point,
0: since when 1989, this is
1: 2011.
0: But, but Eric, um, if that's I mean, the case, why try to make him a heel at all? Why not just embrace what you are, your babyface. People want to see you, brother, brother. We got to make you a good guy.
1: I don't think Hulk wanted to be, you know, and Hulk didn't want to be a good guy at this point. he, he was still more comfortable as a heel. Um, and he wasn't going to change his character because okay, but well now we're going to be in Cincinnati in front of a real wrestling audience. So I better change my character.
0: But, but Eric, that's a cop out. Why not? Why not just do what you're good at? I mean, I don't understand why all of a sudden everybody's fucking feelings matter so much. If, if we know that, Hey, everywhere you go now that we're on the road, people are excited to see Hulk Hogan. They're going to cheer for you. It's going to undermine what we're doing. So sorry if that doesn't work for you, brother, but we need you to fucking be a bad guy here. What's wrong with just saying that. Nothing's wrong with saying it. (laughs) (laughs) But if that doesn't work for me, it kind of is what it is.
3: Yeah. Thank okay. you.
0: <laughs> okay. I get it. I this horse saying. is
1: bucking. It's bucking. It's about ready to throw me off. And you just gave me a, a soft place to fall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This match is the, you know, you've got Mr. Anderson who was over like Rover a few years prior in the WWF. Rob Van Dam has been a, uh, a longtime fan favorite sting is the fucking franchise for decades at this point. And we give them seven minutes and it gets a star and a half. And we got Hogan with pipes. It's just weird. I know. All right, let's move on. Let's See, get-
1: I would right then, right then. Cause they got this. I read about it when I opened up this box with the, uh, with the sound, the audio board, Yeah, I read about all the things they could do. And it's got these beautiful, like uh, there's a red button, an orange button, a yellow, a green, a uh, robin's egg blue a violet color purple like prince purple and an, i don't know magenta so there's all these pretty buttons and one of these buttons i don't know which one you can preload it so that it has sound effects and you press a button and i want to do crickets mm. like crickets crickets cr- like i can't do it but you know what i mean the yeah it's sound. yeah so that whenever I lay, you know, some kind of egg on here and you don't know how to react just for a couple seconds. I want to hit that cricket button. I think that's fun. We'll try that next week.
0: Yeah. You'll do that for about two weeks and then people will uh, blow you up on social media and demand. Really? Cause it's boy. just
1: me having fun with a new gimmick and nobody really likes it. Is that what you're telling me is going to happen?
0: It's like masturbatory, maybe a little bit, but All listen, right. I want us to do it. You know, listen, We'll try it. I, I'll give you, I will at this point. I will concede any concession you want if you'll just knock all that shady shenanigan horse shit off.
1: Oh, shady shenanigans. I love that.
0: So let's talk about our main event. The next match is an eight man tag between the groups Fortune and Immortal. This has been a long time coming, brother. Uh, after conning TNA president Dixie Carter to take over her company, Immortal tried to run TNA, but Carter hit Hogan with that court order. So in January of 2011, a group named They surfaced, and Crimson, who was the messenger, Put Abyss out of action using his own two by four with nails in it, named Janice. On the February 3rd impact, Fortune turned on Immortal without the knowledge of their manager, Rick Rick Flair, revealing themselves as they, claiming they would no longer take a backseat to Immortal. A couple of weeks later, Flair tried to call a truce, but eventually abandoned Fortune to join Immortal by turning to Fortune member AJ Styles during his match uh, with um, other Immortal member Matt Hardy. So two weeks later, Hulk Hogan comes back from absence to boast about his court battle victory for ownership of TNA. He's got mm-hmm. you there. And, uh, he says basically Carter's only here to provide the money from here on out. And in March, there's a new immortal member named bully Ray. who's going to power bomb fortune member, AJ styles off the, off the stage, sidelining him with a storyline injury later in the month, Christopher Daniels comes back to help fortune. And on the April 7th impact, Daniels asks Hulk Hogan if he can be Fortune's fourth member for the Lethal Lockdown against Immortal, which Hogan agrees to. So Daniels is pulling double duty. Remember, he was in that eight-way X division to start the show. The following week, Fortune and Immortal had a best of three series matches to determine who would get the man advantage at Lethal Lockdown. In the first match, Immortals Matt Hardy defeated Fortune's Kazarian. Immortals Abyss defeated Fortune's James Storm. And this meant that Immortal would have the man advantage during the lethal lockdown match, and now we're here. In hindsight, I feel like we were trying really hard to establish these two groups, but we just didn't. Would you agree with that?
1: Faction mania, brother. (coughs) Faction
0: mania. Look at you know, as you laid that
1: out, kind of you know, week to week to week to week leading up to this pay-per-view. This wasn't a bad story. In terms of structure, I mean, at least it was, there was a plup- a blueprint for a story and the story progressed along a kind of predictable arc, if you will. But it was just too much to focus on and it, nobody really stood out in the story. It was, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't good either. And it's not because of the talent. There was more there's enough talent in this story to run an entire wrestling company off of. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't a talent issue. It was a story issue or lack thereof. There just wasn't a central character or two, ideally two that everybody else was a part of that story and move that story forward but there had to be one or ideally two people that the story kind of focused on the most. And I, that's what was lacking here. And I'll, that's me. That would have been me that didn't see that or didn't fix it. If I did see it. Um, Cause I would have had a lot to do with this one because it involved Hulk. And therefore I was, Involved in improving
0: it. Um, So so we can just blame all this shit on you, right? You can. Okay, good. I'll 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 take it. I'm man enough.
1: One thing you've taught me, Conrad, over the three years, this (laughs) journey that I've been on with you over three years, (laughs) is to accept my own shortcomings, failures, and mistakes, embrace them, Turn those motherfuckers
0: into cash. So yeah, yeah. right on. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. We, we leaned all the way into that catering bullshit. Pick up your shirt now, boxingimics.com. Hey, let's talk about the main event. It's Robert Rude and James Storm teaming with Kazarian and Daniels. Uh, I love Robert Rude and James Storms. We usually know them as beer money. Uh Kazarian and Daniels, man, they've been a great tag team for a long, long time. So that's one side. And the other side, check this out. Abyss, Bully Ray, Matt Hardy, and Rick Flair. It almost feels like it's a random setting on a video game to me when you look at that. Uh, the first three minute period is Kazarian versus Hardy. Of course, the heels get the man advantage because they won the two matches on TV. Very reminiscent of the old War Games concept. Damn it, the heels always get the advantage to get started. Um, Flair's wrestling, and well, everybody's in different looking gear, but how would you describe Flair's look here? Slacks and a fucking black wife beater? I don't get it.
1: I'm guessing that Rick probably liked the suit coat that went along with those pants a little too much. to have them wrecked in a, in a match. So yeah. Called an audible. <clears throat> That'd be my guess. Cause you know, better than I do. Um, Rick wears expensive
0: clothes. Yes, he does.
1: And he probably went, no, I don't want this one getting ripped to shreds. So you had to get a new pair of pants. I'm sure.
0: I don't know. It just feels like maybe something else, but how about this? Flair's got a Kendo stick and he's nailing people. There's garbage cans involved. Um in a cage match. And and by the way, Flair's working here with a torn rotator cuff, which by the way, to this day he never got fixed. Uh surprised me. Daniels is bleeding. Ray's rubbing Daniel's blood all over himself. Um Meltzer would say between letting people pound on his head and rubbing Daniel's blood all over himself, Bully Ray seems to think it's still nineteen ninety seven. Bubba got an axe handle and went to crack Daniels with it when AJ Styles ran in for the save. Isn't the cage there to prevent this from happening? Styles hits the Pele kick. Rude throws Flair into the cage. Storm super kicks Flair, and Rude uses a Fujiwara armbar on Flair, who submits four stars. So, Flair tore his rotator cuff like three months prior to this. As a reminder, he tore it back in the WCW days, probably 15 years prior to this. So, it's always been something that he's been dealing with. But this is a main event to me. Again, we got eight dudes. And a cage and the, and, and the world title match. That wasn't even one-on-one it's a three-way. I think you can describe this pay-per-view best as 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag, your thoughts. Could it's impossible to say it any better.
1: It is. I mean, and and by the way, somebody gave this match four stars. Yeah. Meltzer dug it. I, I just thought it was a fucking mess. It was a mess. And, and, it, and, and it's just, you know, for there's a point that stars and, and what people like is all subjective. If Dave liked this type of match, and probably, I'm guessing, I don't know, Dave, like you do, um, he liked the violence and the execution and the blood, and maybe that's what kind of got him over the top and made him go, oh, I got to get this match for a star. I just found it, I, it's, I, I had a hard time watching it. It was because it didn't make sense to me. James Storm in the ring with a fucking pie pan. Yeah. Oh. Four stars, huh? Okay.
0: Let's let's take a timeout right now. Well, I guess before we do, I know you don't like four star, five star. You hate all that shit. Rate this on a scale of one to ten. You got a lot of great talent. I mean, I think you could argue that the talent on this card, it's an eight. Or a nine, maybe as far I mean, I mean that like you look at all time, Wrestling rosters. Yeah. There's been a few that were better, but they, God, what a crew you It's a really solid group of talent. Um, yeah, I, I'd give the whole roster and like an eight it's really, I mean, look at who else on this thing. It's unbelievable, but the execution of it. Oh man. This is like, to me, a five at best. What say you? execution
1: at every level <clears throat> creatively the idea the you're you're starting at a point where okay we're going to put all these matches in a cage for no reason well that's what you're starting from this you're starting in such a deep dark funky smelling hole that you're never going to get out of it cuz that's where it starts and then Oh, by the way, there's no real stories involved in any of this shit. Well, maybe a couple. But for the most part, there's no real story to, to to cause it to be taking place in these matches to take place inside of a cage. And and then, oh, let's put an entire zip code of talent on this pay-per-view. Because I don't know, we're paying for them. They should work. I swear. That was part of the logic. I am not kidding you. Well, we're paying them. Put them on TV. Yeah, but they don't really have a story. I don't care. You're paying them. Make them work. Mm. It's mm. oh, ten, nine, eight. Okay. Yep. That's what it was like.
0: Let's um let's put a bow on this. This happened how about a bullet? Let's just put a bullet in it. 10 like years that. ago, have you watched impact lately? I mean, this past weekend, they had rich Swan defend his impact championship against Kenny Omega's AEW championship. And I know you went on, uh, another podcast and, and, and you were asked about impact working with AEW. And I think the quote you gave was nobody gives a fuck. Uh, but now they did title versus title on pay-per-view We're looking at the product from the same company 10 years prior. Is there a way to draw some correlations?
1: I I don't watch the impact product. I just can't, um, it would not be there's no, I don't watch it. I'll just leave it at that. And nobody does give a fuck. You know, I, I guess it's presumably some kind of a benefit to impact, to have talent from aew come over and participate on their show I, I cosplay it's, nobody cares nobody's gonna watch it and it's not you know i'm sure the action is good i'm sure there's some great matches i don't watch it but I'm guessing there are some great matches that take place and If you're a fan of it, then great, but step back, take your fan hat off, put on a business hat and go, okay, well, why does it matter? How has it been performing? Who has benefited? And not just jerking yourself off, making yourself feel good for a decision that you made or that you support or you're a fan of, but in terms of numbers, how is this benefiting anybody? Or is it really diluting AEW in particular, in my opinion, and not really helping impact because when the AEW component of this eventually goes away, if indeed it does, I'm assuming it's going to stop at some point, what do you got left? Less than you started with because you've been building your brand around something that's only temporary. And I get it. I understand why they did it. I understand why they're, what they're thinking might have been, may have been, I don't know. I have no insight, but if the thought process was, well, look, they're on TNT and they got seven, 800,000 viewers at that time. They're now up over a million AEW. Kudos to them for that. But if you're, if you're impacting you're, you're, you're delivering 130,000 viewers a week, which is basically a YouTube video. Um, and and you have an opportunity to get your product and your brand on a much higher profile network with four or five times the audience that you have, why wouldn't you do that? I get that. There's nothing wrong with the logic, but what are the the dividends been so far? Has, has impacts ratings gone up, you know, Week after week, after week, after week, after week.
0: No, oh, not, well. not week after week, but, uh, I'll tell you what is going up. And that is, uh, our interest in doing live shows, Eric, it's time for us to make our big announcement. We tease it at the top of the show. You and I are going back on the road, baby. We're going to podcast Palooza at Jimmy's famous seafood, June 11th through the 13th. On the 11th, you'll see our great friends, Mr. Brian Myers, Mr. Matt Cardona, part of the major wrestling figures podcast. They're going to be your headliners on Friday night on Sunday night. It's the good brothers. It's Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson and talking shop and sandwiched right in between it's Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson, 83 weeks live. Eric, how pumped are you, man? June 12th, Baltimore, the best crab cakes in the world. Let's go.
1: Wait, 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 wait.
0: What was that date again? Come on, Eric. You know what to do, man. You just go pick up your tickets at Jimmy's famous seafood. It's Saturday, June 12th in Baltimore doors open at nine show starts at 10. Come on in, grab your dinner, grab your drinks, and then head upstairs. Uh, we got a bunch of swag ordered. We're going to have a barrel of laughs. It's going to be a good time. Bubba June 12th, Baltimore, Jimmy's famous seafood. I just Googled my internet calendar. What was the date? One more time. want to make sure saturday june 12th yeah we talked about this when you were in huntsville you said oh yeah we even joked "Yeah, well maybe we'll charter a fucking jet you know we're assholes these days we're big we're big stars or whatever so saturday june 12th join us at jimmy's famous seafood come a day early see cardona and meyer stay a day later see the good brothers it's podcast palooza at jimmy's famous seafood
1: i i got i don't know i don't know how to tell you this Oh, I'm so embarrassed. What are we going to do?
0: What, what do you mean? I I can't. Eric, it's our first live show since the pandemic. What do you mean? You can't, we talked about this. You blocked the date off at my kitchen table in Huntsville. I, we were drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, are you really seriously pulling up lame on me right now? I am. I double booked myself. Oh, really? And I'm getting bumped. The listeners of 83 weeks, Jimmy's famous seafood, the best crab cakes in the world, they're getting bumped. Do you need to make this feel, make me feel worse about this than I already do? Is
1: it, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, you I don't don't, know what we're going to
0: do? I know what we're going to do. I'm going to use a lifeline. Do you remember that show back in the day? Who wants to be a millionaire? I do. I love that. Well, Maybe we should get the winner of the ultimate mail match. We just broke down to give us the hot tag. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jeff Jarrett is joining our little family over at adfreeshows.com.
2: Whoa! Oh, Ma- Happy folks. Hey, hey there, there he, he is. Here. <laughs> Look at he's He's in the car driving to Baltimore. He's already on his way. <laughs> so Jimmy's Jimmy's. I'm going to get there early for, uh, Brian Myers and uh, Zach's show. I, I can't wait. How you Jeff, guys how doing? How are you? How, how are good. you? Joe? So oh, very good. Very good. Yes. Yeah, sort of a uh, hot tag, uh, in sweatsuits. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in the car, but, uh, pretty excited about this. How, uh, things have sort of, um, I guess fallen into place. Um,
0: we're excited to have you. We're, we're super that. excited <laughs> about the opportunity to uh, do our first live show. And by the way, if, if you've been under a rock, maybe you missed but my newest podcast is with Jeff Jarrett. It's going to drop Tuesday, May 4th, right here on Westwood one. You get all those shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com And our very first episode is about the holding up Vince McMahon for cash story. Uh, Jeff, is this maybe the most controversial story? I mean, this has to be the thing that fans ask about most of all, right?
2: Listen, when we set it on the teaser, ju- just that headline, what are we on TMZ? Hold up. Now just... Just put that in a, in just a, a, a sentence. Do you really think who, who, who can hold up anybody? Does that even make sense to you? Conrad? But I tell you one thing, I can't wait to set the record straight. May 4th, when it drops, it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: I can't wait. If you haven't already go follow us on Twitter. It's at my world podcast on Twitter at my world podcast. And you can pick up your tickets right now. It's Jeff and Conrad live.com. If you go to Jeff and Conrad you can snatch your tickets to come see, uh, both Jeff and myself at Jimmy's famous seafood. By the way, if you're a top guy over at adfreeshows.com, we already got you hooked up and Jeff, uh, we're going to have some fun that night, right? We're probably going to have sure some,
2: are. I, I am, I am going to get there early for, uh, uh, Brian and Zach's show and, uh, stay late for the good brothers, but I'm really excited. Our first ever show, uh, Eric is very unfortunate under these circumstances, but I, I appreciate that tag. I, I really sincerely mean that. So I'm looking forward to, to, you know, the pandemic. We all have been shut in. Karen's seen me enough these last 13 and 14 months. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm excited to get up there on stage, see the fans, Baltimore, a lot of great stories from that town back, gosh, uh, WWF, WCW days, had a ladder match there. There's a couple of uh, unique stories that are Baltimore-centric. Uh, and my, mud, my buddy at uh, Jimmy's Seafood, so I can't wait to get a good meal before, during, and after the show, I'll say that.
1: <laughs> hey Jeff, if if I can before we wrap things up here and you get to where you're going, um, you're going to have a blast. This this is going to be such a fun ride from you. I can tell you from experience. You know, I I got into this podcast thing with Conrad. I was a little uh, not really sold on on it in the beginning because I just didn't think anybody really cared about anything I had to say at that point, because it had all been covered, but this podcast is a life-changing opportunity. I mean, it is so much fun and for you to be able to kick it off as with a live show, it is, you are going to have a great time. The audience is going to have a great time and I'm jealous that I'm not going to be there in the audience (laughs) watching it, but I will be living vicariously through you.
2: I appreciate that. Eric. You know, and likewise, I I can, uh, we are cut from the same cloth on that. I was very hesitant. It's pretty, pretty been. uh, pre- Conrad, I'll say, he's been vocal about uh, wanting me to do a podcast going back to several years. And I've never been a guy. Candidly, look, we've and you can relate to this. We've told our stories in the dressing rooms over and over. Nobody wants to hear this. And I've never looked in the rearview mirror. It's like that's been there, done that. I can't change the past, whether it was a great thing or a bad thing. Can't change it, but. Now this platform and and Conrad and listening to him and your podcast and Bruce and just sort of hearing the cadence and what it's all about, I feel incredibly grateful. To be stepping into the ad free family, I'll just say that. So yes, I'm super excited.
1: I was very excited to hear you're joining the team. You know, you and I have kind of bumped into each other throughout our the course of our careers, really. Yeah. And uh, here we are, we're bumping into each other again. But I think you will find, and I'm sure you will agree with me in very short order, that this is an entirely different situation. It is so much fun. And the success that everybody enjoys is because it's fun. The, yeah. audiences has fun, the audience has fun with it. We have fun doing it. And it's not a job, it's a calling. And it's a blast.
2: Wow. That's cool. Not a job, it's a calling. That's a t-shirt. I'm getting
0: a I'll split it with you. We're going to have a You'll lot You'll never powers. change.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I just came up with an idea, and Jeff said, I'll split it with you. <laughs>
2: so, so, of course. I'm the one who came up with the idea and put it on a shirt. You said it. Oh, that's, that's the a, best. That is a collaborative, creative process. I can't wait to do a stage show uh, with the three of us. That will be fun.
1: So
0: Yes, it will. Yeah, so we'll do that next time at Jimmy's, but at least right now, Come join us for podcast Palooza. And by the way, make a weekend out of it. You've been cooped up too long. Let's go enjoy the best crab cakes in the world. And by the way, if you've never been to Jimmy's, you're missing out. Uh, Eric got some shipped to his house, grilled them on his big green egg, which by the way, Jeff Jarrett's mm. a big green egger. And he yes, said, he described those crab cakes as it's almost like touching the face of God. That's how good they are. <laughs> go check them out right now. Jimmy's famous seafood.com. And don't forget Pick up your tickets for Jeff and I, it's uh, Jeff and Conrad live.com. Saturday, June 12th, that's Saturday, June 12th. And by the way, I want to mention every ticket is VIP. Every ticket is going to get the opportunity to meet Jeff and myself. We'll sign your autographs, take your pictures, do the whole deal. And of course we're going to do it as safe as we can. And we also want to mention there are some front row opportunities. You're going to get some extra perks. If you go ahead and pick up the front row we've got some tricks up our sleeve. It's Jeff and Conrad oh. And it's Saturday, June 12th at Jimmy's famous seafood. Eric, I'm excited. I don't know where we go from here. I guess next week we should ask Eric anything. What do you think? I am up for that. Well, until next time it. he is at E Bischoff. I am at Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And of course he is at real Jeff Jarrett and we'll see you in set Sa- in Baltimore on Saturday, June 12th and back here next week for ask Eric anything. On 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. Mother's Day is almost here, and Steven Singer's got your back with his brand new rose color, Sunshine Yellow. This new Sunshine Rose is a brilliant shade of yellow that dazzles with sparkles. His famous gold roses are real roses dipped and trimmed in 24 karat gold that last a lifetime. Stephen has always been in the love business. And this past year, we've seen just how important love is. In addition to brightening your loved one's day, Stephen wants to put a little sunshine in everyone's days. So he's continuing to use a portion of each rose sold to support local restaurants by catering meals for all the incredible nurses, doctors, first responders, and hospital heroes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and send a sunshine gold dipped rose. Order now and receive it in time for Mother's Day It's a win, win, win. You'll give sunshine that lasts a lifetime to a loved one. You'll be supporting local restaurants by thanking our essential workers, and you'll feel good about doing it. You can't go wrong. They all come with a lifetime guarantee, free personalized gift message, and fast and free shipping. Simply say, I love you or honor mom on Mother's Day. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, got a quick question for you. If somebody came along and said, hey, man, What if you could retire 15 years faster, but it's going to cost you about an extra $100 a month right now? Would you do it? Is your future, your financial future, and meeting those long-term financial goals worth $100 this month? If the answer is yes, well, Jessa from El Paso, Illinois, has an idea. We hooked her up. She gave us a five-star review for SaveWithConrad.com and had this to say. Derek helped us go from a 30-year loan to a 15-year loan. And this team was able to cut our interest rate nearly in half. That's right. Half. It's worth the paperwork. Thank you so much. Think about what we're talking about here, folks. If you have a 30-year loan and you could pay it off in half the time for like an extra three bucks a day, what are we doing? Nobody wants to be 60 or 70 and making house payments. And if you don't make a plan to get out of debt right now, you're going to wake up one day and look around and say, uh i can't retire i gotta keep working because i haven't paid our house off it's your biggest piece of debt and i understand that can be overwhelming but it's that old cliche right how to eat an elephant one bite at a time that's what we got to do here guys let's get out of debt faster and the first bite is at savewithconrad.com NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. By the way, we're licensed in more than 40 states. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. But if you're in a 30-year loan, you need to go to SaveWithConrad.com right now. Are you tired a lot? Maybe frustrated that no matter what you do, you can't seem to keep your energy levels up during the day? The problem may be how you're sleeping. There's a difference between how long you sleep and the quality of sleep you're getting. If you want to increase energy, performance, alertness, and productivity, stop reaching for the energy drinks and instead focus on quality REM sleep with recovery PM. Poor quality sleep is directly linked to health problems like obesity, low testosterone levels, and high blood pressure. And worst of all, the World Health Organization has even recognized sleep deprivation as a carcinogen. Not getting adequate sleep can increase the risk of cancer. Did you know that 37% of people between 20 and 39 years old reported difficulty sleeping, but only 4% have tried a sleep aid. Most over-the-counter sleep aids are just melatonin. Recovery PM is a blend of nine proven natural sleep aids and tranquilizers, including melatonin, 5-HTP, GABA, ashwagandha, and l tryptophan That's the stuff that, you know, we all talk about over Thanksgiving that makes you turkey tired. Here's the deal you know, you're going to experience deep sleep and wake up refreshed and ready to attack the day. If you've been finding yourself hitting a midday slump and using perhaps energy drinks to perk up during the day, you're only making things worse in the long run. Upgrade to recovery PM and you'll be amazed how you feel. Recovery PM is available right now from legacy That's L E G A C Y S U P P S.com. And if you use promo code Tony, you'll get 10% off your entire order. Don't sleep on your health. Go to legacysups.com. That's dot com, and use our promo code Tony to get 10% off your entire order. And by the way, this is champion tested, champion approved. This is a product owned and operated by the NWA world's heavyweight champion, Nick Aldis. Check it out. Do what the pros are doing. Go to legacysups.com and use promo code Tony to get 10% off your entire order.